0: What's up, guys? My Take Radio episode 187 for Thursday, June 6, 2013. Our call-in number is 347 324 Again, that call-in number 347 3541 You can also hit up our feedback line. That's 347 mtr We are broadcasting live officially on MyTakeRadio.com, Mixler.com, blog talk radio and of course on the GFQ network all right so we got a lot to discuss last week's show was the first show on the GFQ network and um, you know it was, it was it was a great outing I will be a hundred percent honest in telling you guys that I was very nervous going in for a couple of reasons I'm, I'm sure some of you are gonna be like what the hell were you nervous for you got almost two hundred shows under your belt but you know you're introducing the the product to a brand new audience with new personalities, new people that are that are going to add to the show, detract from the show. It, it 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 all varies, you know. Of of course, we had a very active chat last week which I attribute to not only our regulars but also some new additions courtesy of our friends at GFQ. So, definitely a solid outing. I was very happy with the way the show went last week. A couple of minor hiccups on the audio side of things for us, but nothing too crazy. I mean, We've been really working on tweaking it and fine-tuning it, and I actually started doing some video checks today to see how uh, you know my area where I broadcast a show from would look on camera and some of those tweaks because I actually was off from work today, and it gave me the opportunity to work on some video, get some games out of the way, etc. And um, the crazy thing was that I expected to work on a lot of content for the site today, but it turns out that... I spent a lot of time rendering video, which was very strange. Um, I see that some people are saying that there's an echo. I have no idea why that is. Uh, Let me take a look here. Hmm. Everything Everything on this end seems to be all right. Maybe you guys can try and refresh. I know some of you might be listening through the Mixler player. Some of you might be listening through the GFQ player, so... I mean, refresh the the page itself, and maybe that should fix it. I mean, on our end, I don't hear any echo. On the contrary, our levels are are solid right now. But who knows? Sometimes it's just a matter of a refresh. I know some of you that have problems like that usually just refresh it, and um, everything works as usual. Anyway, so like I said, I wanted to do a lot of site content today, but unfortunately, um, fate reared its ugly head. On the bright side, my, my sister got to start a new program. Well, she got to trial a, a new program for for people with disabilities today. A Very, very nice facility. Very cool. Um, she's doing two trial dates today and tomorrow. So, of course, I had to take off from work. But the the bright side of that is that I get to do stuff for the site throughout the day. Um, we put up a new blast from the past with Aliens vs. Predator, the arcade game. You can check that out on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash TV We also did a stream that's also up, which I'm going to put on the YouTube channel. And that was off our Twitch stream. Same thing my take radio, but it's underscore TV on Twitch. You guys could find that there. I know I got asked on Twitter about putting the Twitch player on the site. I'm going to try and put that maybe this weekend along with, um, all of our videos, maybe on the sidebar of the site. The only reason I haven't done that is because a lot of people felt that it just detracts from what's going on. Um, on the site either way thank you suncast for telling people to um to mute the player on the site for those of you that are listening on my take and i forgot to say it at the start of the show there are two players the automatic mixler player which starts playing when we go live and the gfq player do yourselves a favor and mute one of them whichever one you so choose to mute feel free to do it that way it doesn't play double for me usually i just lower the volume on one and um we don't have to deal with that problem anyway I apologize if I didn't say that at the start of the broadcast. I got to get used to it, but props to Suncast for giving me the assist there and reminding our listeners about that. Anyway, like I said, um, off for the next two days, working on some stuff for the site. We're going to put up some more video probably tonight. I'll probably do another stream and maybe also do another Blast from the Past. For those of you that are frequent visitors to our YouTube channel, if there are any Blast from the Past games you guys want to see, let me know. I mean, I got a pretty good catalog of PS2 games, Dreamcast games, um, even old Xbox One titles. The Alien vs. Predator that I streamed last night was actually a MAME uh, mod that I have on an original Xbox. So I can I can actually play some, some of the arcade games that way. So if you guys got any requests, let me know. I'm always happy to share some gameplay with you guys. Also on the Twitch front, I'm starting to get more comfortable doing commentary, which is something some people gave me a lot of shit about, they were like, dude, you know, it's cool that you're, you're playing the games and we could see all that, but you know, the, we, we tune in to hear you on the show. How about doing some commentary? So I did a decent amount of commentary on the aliens versus predator game. Again, it's, it's a brand new, um, approach versus just doing the show for three hours. But I figured I'd share that with you guys. I did want to get into something that was very strange that happened today. We were, you know, since I was off, I had, uh, breakfast with, with Andrew from the GFQ Network, and we were talking about some wrestling stuff, and then afterwards, I ended up stopping in a GameStop on the way home, and when I walked in there, the guy was putting out promotional items for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, so as usual, conversation stirs up, and the guy's like, oh, you know, can I help you with anything? And I was like, look, you know, I'm, I'm cool just looking around, and I remember they had a game that I had wanted that was on clearance for like 10 bucks, but the, the game was sold out anyway, but the guy was like, oh, you know, um, are you interested in pre-ordering any of the new consoles? So the conversation switched to new consoles for a little bit, and we were talking back and forth about it. And I asked, you know, how does he feel about the Xbox One and and how it's going to take it to the used market, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he was saying to me, he's like, you know, our managers are a little are a little annoyed about it because they really don't know how to approach that especially from from the standpoint that Microsoft pretty much wants to get into the used game market. Um, I did ask how many people were pre-ordering systems, and he said people have come in more so to ask about when they can start pre-ordering PlayStation 4s, because they weren't accepting pre-orders at that store. He said a couple of stores are kind of starting to put together a, a mailing list and things like that to, to put pre-orders together, but... It was probably one of the few times that I've gone to GameStop and I've had a decently civil conversation without having, you know, without being force-fed rewards programs or any of that garbage. So definitely, it was in pretty nice to see. And the and the guy was asking, you know, oh, are you following it, et cetera? And I kind of said what I did, and he was like, oh, you know, do you do you bash us on air? And I was honest. I said, dude, sometimes I I throw GameStop through the ringer because you guys do a lot of shady shit, not the company as a whole, but a lot of your, your stores and some of your employees. And he laughed, um, you know, he laughed about it and he was just like, yeah, you know, every store runs a little differently, but we don't, we, I try not to push anybody here because I used to be you coming into a store and didn't want to do any pre-order. So it was, it was, um, it was just pretty cool to see that, and to have that kind of a conversation, but it's interesting also because there's so many people, especially um, retailers, that don't really know how to embrace the um, the whole GameStop, the whole used game dilemma that's going on with the Xbox One. He did tell me about the thing with the Wii U that they're going to stop selling the, the the lower end console. And that they're supposed to be returning the unused inventory to Nintendo. He did confirm that. Because I said, I'm like, hey, is it true that you guys are returning the Wii U's? And he's like, yeah, you know, the the smaller systems aren't really moving. Everybody's buying the bigger system. He said it. He was like, I felt it was kind of dumb that the price difference, as negligible as it was, that they would give people two options. I can understand if you packed in an extra uh, tablet screen or something, then yeah, that would work. But... Definitely not in the way that they had expected. So, uh, again, an interesting conversation. and I'm going to go a little bit further into it when we talk about gaming this week. And, of course, with E3 next week, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about next Thursday. Before I I get into this week's MMA, though, I did want to let you know about our schedule for the month of June. Just a couple of things are going to be changing. Uh, The last week of June, the week of June 24th. Um, We will be working the Consumer Electronics Weekly event, and we will also be working Wizard World, most likely. So that Thursday, there may not be a show, just an FYI, in case you guys um, kind of keep track of that. We are not doing a show on June 27th unless my schedule changes. If it changes, of course, I will let you guys know, but we will be working that event that week also um, in July, of course, the Fourth of July falls on a Thursday, as fortune has it. It's my sister's birthday, so I may actually take that day off. But there is a slim chance I may do the show on a Wednesday. So, with that, with that said, that's just something to keep in mind as well. So. Make a note, the 27th and the 4th of July right now, those schedules are questionable. We did cover Book Expo this past weekend, and our photos from the event are on our Facebook fan page. You guys can check those photos out there. And there's going to be some write-ups throughout the week because we met a lot of really great authors and writers. And we got some really cool stuff, which I got a UFC fan guide which I will be giving out probably tomorrow. Maybe I'll give it out to our Facebook fans or maybe I'll give it out on Twitter. We'll see. I know that the Facebook guys kind of get a lot of stuff. They um they really enjoy all the giveaways on the fan page and they kind of give the the Twitter the Twitter followers a little bit of shit, especially those that aren't following MTR on Twitter because they um you know, they end up getting the bulk of the prizes. So maybe I'll show the Twitter fans some love. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, there's really no monologue for this week other than the stuff I wanted to give you guys. So without any further delay, let's get into some MMA for this week because there is quite a bit of news to talk about. My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Make sure to look for their banner on mytakeradio.com. Click that. Helps us out. Plus, you'll be able to get all the latest MMA gear from your favorite fighters, plus rash guards, mouth guards, and any training supplies as well. Make sure to check out the banner on mytakeradio.com and visit mmawarehouse.com. So, first thing I want to open up with is UFC on Fox Sports 1, which for all intents and purposes, is probably becoming the number one MMA event on my radar for the summer. Of course, you can talk about, um, you know, some of the other promotions, Bellator Summer Series, but UFC on Fox Sports 1 is important for two reasons. Number one is the debut of the Fox Sports Network, and UFC programming on that network will be launching at the same time as the channel, so it's going to be insane. I haven't gotten... Uh, you know, I haven't received a channel listing for for myself, you know, for my provider for files yet on what channel that's going to be. But I'm sure I'll be receiving that within the next month or so, um, month or so. Excuse me. Anyway, UFC on Fox Sports 1 goes down August 17th at the TD Garden in Boston. And there are some tremendous fights on that card. Travis Brown, Alistair Overeem, Tiago Alves and Matt Brown, Michael Johnson and Boston's own Joe Lazan. Uriah Hall's taking on Nick Ring. Conor McGregor's fighting on that card. Mike Brown will be facing off against Akira Khorasani. And last but not least, um, Shogun's fight with Nog was actually postponed because Nog got injured. Chael Sonnen stepped up. They were going to do the fight in Brazil, but as luck would have it, they decided to do the fight on Fox Sports 1. So there you have it. That is your main event, ladies and gents. Shogun, Chael Sonnen, the man himself... The gangster, the Westland gangster, talks himself into another fight. And a couple of guys were saying to me at my office, they were like, you know, Chael Sonnen, he comes in, he talks this shit, and he gets fights. You know what? That's part of it, but nobody else was was jumping out of their skin to, to really take that fight on whatever, six days notice or whatever it is. So, Chael Sonnen, as usual, sure, he talked his way into a fight, but... Nobody else is gonna go out there and give us a fight that we're gonna wanna tune in. Not only that, but considering that the UFC is debuting on Fox Sports One and they're they're making this huge event out of it, why the fuck would you put a shitty fight as your main event? Shogun Chael Sonnen is ridiculous, and of course, Chael acknowledged the fight and also took the opportunity to shit on Vanderlei Silva. But you know, I can't I can't agree with Chael Sonnen's assessment just because I'm a Mark. For Vanderlei Silva and all the Pride Fighters, Rampage included, who I'll I'll be discussing tonight as well. But, fact is, Shogun, Chael Sonnen, Fox Sports 1, it's going to be bananas. I will say this, I kind of want to put some money on this fight. Maybe I'll do it through, um, through, uh, Countermove. My homegirl, Crooklyn, over there doing some great work with Countermove. Maybe I'll do it through there. Only because, standing up, if Chael wants to stand directly in front of Shogun... Um, and, and really try to stand and bang with him, he may not benefit from that. But if he uses the offense that he used on Anderson Silva in the first fight without, of course, getting caught in some crazy triangle, I think he definitely can take the fight from Shogun. But considering that Shogun's had uh, a couple of wars within his last few fights, he may just be itching to give us another war, and not for nothing, Sheryl Sonnen definitely will make that worthwhile. Also on that card is going to be Michael McDonald taking on Brad Pickett and Cody Donovan taking on Ovin St. Preux. So there you have it. Sonnen was supposed to replace Nog against Rue at UFC 161 next week, but well, obviously UFC 161 uh, coming up and they decided to do that here for the Boston fans, which not for nothing I think is, is fitting, especially with what's going on. Dana White wanting to do something for Boston, it's it's going to be tremendous. So I am super pumped for that. This past week, also we had the One FC event. I got to give a quick shout out to the one and only Phil Baroni, the New York badass who broke his ankle in devastating highlight reel fashion. It's still, New York badass is my boy. That I like watching that dude fight. He goes out there, he he leaves it all in the cage. He doesn't try and and point fight. He just goes out swinging. So I mean I was bummed, you know, cuz he lost to Nobutatsu Tatsu Suzuki, but Phil Barone will bounces back. He's a he's a great guy to watch, super exciting. He's a he's also a great personality for the sport. So I was bummed that he lost, but I'm sure he will bounce back. I will say that the Bibiano Fernandez um Okazaki fight was very very good. I ended up watching that on um I ended up just downloading the the entire card because At the time they broadcasted, I think they gave it at like 3am or 4am or some crazy shit like that, and um, I ended up watching the card afterwards, but Bibiano Fernandez looked really good, Um, he took the fight via unanimous decision to win the interim bantamweight title, Um, Koji Oishi, he defeated um, Honorio Benario via knockout to win the featherweight title, and um, Masakatsu Oeda... He won via unanimous decision. He secured the win for the Bantamweight Grand Prix. Also, Kamal Shalarous was on that card. Um, he won his fight via unanimous decision against Edward Foleyang. So, definitely solid fights there. Uh, Tim Sylvia, Dr. Stoppage, he loses via TKO against Tony Johnson. So, uh, definitely derailing that hype train of Tim Sylvia back to the UFC at 1FC. So, I will say this, and I try to tell our listeners this all the time. If you have access TV and you can get access to some, no pun intended, access to some of these, um, you know, Japanese MMA fights, um, other cards, smaller promotions, definitely do it because there's a lot of talent there. A lot of great fighters that really go under the radar. And then what happens is, and, and this is something a lot of fighters have talked about, just a, a a lack of education for, for mixed martial arts fans, because, it's like it's like the same thing with WWE and and I've done this as well where people come in and they're like, "Yeah, man, WWE greatest promotion, blah blah blah." This that and the third and then you tell them, "Hey, what about Ring of Honor? What about um you know, Chikara or CZW?" "Oh, you know, I, I've never watched that." And then you you tell them and I've done this before, I'd be like, "Hey, you know, check out some Chikara or King of Trios or Puro in Japan." And their their perception completely changes. Same thing with with MMA. You got to you got to watch those smaller promotions. You got to watch World Series of Fighting. You got to watch Bellator. There's more to life than the UFC. Pick up some Pride DVDs. See some of those guys really putting in that work during the Pride days. Again, much like the WWE, the UFC is not the only game in town. Yes, the best fighters are there, but there are some good fighters that aren't there. Seriously, you got to do that. I I you know, I can't stress it enough and I I've talked to some of the guys at work that they watch wrestling, especially guys that have kids. Um, My boss, actually, he took his son to see SmackDown, the SmackDown taping on Tuesday. And, you know, we were talking about some smaller promotions that work out here locally, like Family Wrestling Entertainment, um, House of Glory, some of those other local promotions that really get good talent. I mean, Family Wrestling Entertainment has a show going down, I believe it's June 21st. And one of the, the matches on that card is Tommy Dreamer. Taking on Rob Van Dam. That's you know, that's a that's a pay-per-view caliber match that, you, that you're getting for, you know, a twenty or thirty dollar admission. Cheaper than um, you know, cheaper than any other that than taking a trip to Madison Square Garden or Nassau Coliseum. Just saying. Alright. So Misha Misha Tate made some very interesting comments to MMA Junkie about Kim Winslow, and I was I wasn't shocked that she said it, but as usual, anything Misha Tate or um, you know Brian Tate say usually is misconstrued in some capacity, but what she was saying about Kim Winslow was interesting because Kim Winslow's uh, possibly going to oversee the fights on the Ultimate Fighter season 18, and she said I think Kim Winslow she sucks as a referee. I heard she's going to be refereeing this season. I think that sucks too. So of course one of the reasons she she mentions this is because of the stoppage in the Cazinano fight. She went on to say Zingano caught me with probably two solid knees, rocked the elbows, and I tried to go in for a shot. It wasn't the best shot in the world, but I had won the first two rounds pretty decisively. So I didn't feel like I was on this downhill slope this whole time. I was just having a slow third round. Okay, well, let me get this straight. When it looks like somebody opened a can of cherry pie filling and, and sprayed it all over your face, I don't think that the, that, that the slow third was the right description for that round. I think her knee got introduced to your face. That's what I think. And before your, your, your face was damaged to prevent you from, take, from taking pretty promotional photos... Kim Winslow stepped in and stopped the carnage. Sure, there may have been some suspect knees there. Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, the three-point stance, the action is moving very quick. Just just stop harping on the fucking loss already. You ate the knees. You're still coaching the season. Get off your shit. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I get mad with some of Kim Winslow's officiating. But, you know what? I don't see many other female referees stepping up to 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 engage this sport and work effectively to, to manage the fighters in the cage or in the ring say what you will but Kim Winslow got bigger balls than most dudes I know to go in there because she's got to go in there and separate guys that that are beating the living shit out of each other immediately and and because she's mad that the fight was stopped pre, uh, quote unquote prematurely she wants to say that you know she sucks as a referee Seriously, don't don't catch a knee in the face and maybe you won't have to worry about early stoppages next time. Just saying. So in news that is sure to elate certain fighters that partake in in, in the marijuana, the fact is that they are raising the threshold for marijuana metabolites. Uh, UFC vice president of regulatory affairs, Mark Ratner, announced during a meeting with the Nevada State Athletic Commission that they will be raising the threshold of marijuana to um From 50 nanograms to 150 nanograms, which is what the uh, World Anti-Doping Agency recently labeled as a sufficient threshold. Obviously, the UFC does its own testing and regulating in any foreign territories due to lack of an official sanctioning organization. But, you know, the Brazilian M- MMA Athletic Commission agreed to the same threshold. And, you know, that change is taking place with UFC on Fuel TV 10. So couple of things come out of this number one raising the limit to to where it's recognized by the world anti-doping agency levels the playing field completely now you can have guys that if they're fighting in another territory they could get away with 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 48 nanograms or you know 49 nanograms whatever the case is now it's an even playing field 150 is the number translation don't eat pop brownies you know after the weigh-ins to make yourself feel good, don't do it, and you won't get caught out there. Now, the crazy thing about this is that I, that I, you know, I firmly believe that that weed is not a performance-enhancing drug during training camp. I'm sorry, it's not. It, on the contrary, the What are you going to get the munchies, especially when you're dieting down for a fight? Stop it. I mean, sure, there are some instances where that assessment can be made. But it's the same thing in the WWE when, when, you know, Randy Orton got suspended for being a pothead and Evan Bourne and what the hell, and R-Truth, those guys, yeah, you know, you want to inhale weed, that's great, you want to smoke a L before you go out for your match, not the best idea, just saying. But the fact is that now it kind of gives fighters a little bit more leeway. I'm sure that somebody's going to fuck up and, and come in with, you know, 160 in their system, but... Eventually, it'll kind of level itself out, and maybe we'll stop getting, we'll stop getting some of these BS suspensions. I mean, look, the 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 whole thing with Caraway and the Diaz brothers, and it was just, it was insane. So there you have it. 150 is the target. Don't fuck it up, boys. Got to talk a little bit about UFC 163, which is coming together with some pretty badass fights. Clint Hester uh, taking on Cesar Ferreira. For UFC 163 also on that is going to be Vinny Magalesh taking on Anthony Paroche. That's August 3rd in Rio. Also Phil Davis officially confirmed that he will be meeting Lyoto Machida this August as well. All signs point to that being on UFC's 163 card that like I said goes down August 3rd. I really am looking forward to seeing this Phil Davis Lyoto Machida fight Phil Davis his fight with Vinny Magalesh. It was interesting. Some people kind of felt that the fight was was boring but I think Phil Davis wanted to showcase his stand-up in that fight really take it to him and he did he really looked very good in that fight now of course the whole Lyoto Machida um, elusive fighting style is always something that is hit or miss with the fans depending on on who's watching some guys say that it's completely horseshit. other guys they're like yeah you know it's he's he's effective in what he does me personally I like Machida's style when it's um, complemented by a person who has really good striking because it's a nice it's a nice chess match. It's a nice counterpoint when, when, when he's fighting. I mean when he fought uh, John Jones, don't get me wrong, you know he got murdered, death killed in that fight, but it was interesting just to see how it went down. So with Phil Davis, you're kind of getting a similar fighter to John Jones. obviously John Jones is in a, in a league of his own. But Phil Davis is, is definitely close in terms of, you know, the long reach advantage, the, the striking. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to shoot in and German suplex him on his head and then do a spinning elbow to his face. Not going to happen. But I will say that Machida and Davis can definitely give us fight of the night. Just I'm I'm putting that out there. It can happen. So we got until August 3rd to see if that's going to be the case. But I'm actually very excited for that fight what this means for for you know Rashad Evans and Hendo with this fight going on who knows but Machida basically was the guy being considered next to fight John Jones so that entire division is in flux at the moment so we'll see what Dana White comes out of the pocket with very soon um I'm looking in the chat I see that some people are having issues with the uh, passwords, I know Slick is having some issues. Suncast is taking care of it. Just a quick reminder, if you're coming into the chat on a weekly basis, make sure to click on the, on the side and either register your nickname or set up a nickname that you can use every week along with a password because I know a lot of a lot of guys are, are having these issues. I know Slick, he, he had similar issues last week, but I know he's working with Suncast. But just a reminder for those of you using the GFQ chat Or any IRC chat to participate in tonight's show. Do yourselves a favor: register your nicknames. That way, you have them on record. Just remember your passwords, and it'll make things easier. Just saying. All right. So I got to talk a little bit about Robert Drysdale, who is signed with the UFC. Robert Drysdale's uh, jujitsu game is bananas. Bananas. He is. He is a legendary jiu-jitsu practitioner so hearing him signing with the ufc is fantastic oh i see that ames bell is in the mixler chat shout out to ames bell tuning in this week i appreciate it um if you want to join the other chat you're welcome to do so ames so as i was saying robert Drysdale comes into the ufc is going to be a beast i'm telling you right now he is going to be a beast when he comes to the organization he's going to be on that ufc 163 card which in itself, like I said, has great fights. Jose Aldo, Anthony Pettis for the featherweight belt. Koscheck, Damian Maya, the return of Talis Latest, which is um, depends on on how many guys are are Latis fans. But we'll we'll see how he how he fares in this next uh, run in the UFC. But definitely pumped for Robert Drysdale coming into the UFC. That's going to be a problem. I'm telling you guys, you heard it here. Robert Drysdale six and zero in MMA right now. Coming into the UFC, he's going to be taking on Ednaldo Oliveira, who's 13-1-1. He's 0-1 in the UFC. It's it's going to be ridiculous. Just saying. Also, history will be made as we're going to get the first bantamweight women's fight in UFC history in Brazil. UFC 163 will feature Amanda Nunes. She's going to be taking on Sheila Gaff. That's going, like I said, UFC 163 is going to be ridiculous from... Top to bottom, Aldo Pettis, Kostcheck Machida, I mean uh, Davis, Machida, and Kostcheck and Mai are going to be bananas. And then throw the ladies in there as well, and history will be made. So, again, mark that down on your calendar. That is going down August 3rd. Fuel TV actually announced that I caught that earlier today, that they will be premiering the countdown to UFC 161 this Tuesday. June 11th, it's going to be the one-hour special, which, of course, is going to preview the main event, which is the light-heavyweight fight between Rashad and Hendo. They're going to be giving that, get this, at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So they're going to give that show again at 9 o'clock, but they're going to be debuting it at 5 o'clock in the morning. So, obviously, if you have any regional Fox Sports channel or Fuel TV, um, you'll be able to... Check it out at any time. Don't don't go just by the 5 a.m. Unless you got a a DVR and you want to DVR it and see it as soon as it airs. 5 a.m. is when it goes down. UFC 161's countdown Tuesday, June 11th. Another card that has come together quite nicely is UFC on Fox 8. Of course, Mighty Mouse defending his belt against John Moraga is your main event. Robbie Lawler is on that card. He was supposed to face Tarek Safedine. But Safedine is out with an injury, so now um, Robbie Lawler will be facing C.R. the Killer. I always bludgeon that guy's last name, so I'm not going to do it. Anyway, he stepped in, and he will be fighting Robbie Lawler in Tarek Safadine's place. Jessica Andrade is going to be taking on Liz Carmouche. Jake Ellenberger, Rory McDonald are going to round out your main card. Michael Chiesa will be fighting Jorge Masvidal on the prelims. We got Mac Danzig taking on Melvin Gallard. Matt Mitry Brendan Schaub is also on that card. Ed Herman taking on Trevor Smith. Jermaine de is taking on Julie Kedzie as well. So UFC on Fox 8. That's going down July 27th from Seattle's Key Arena. Uh, why are my notes not refreshing? Ah, here we go. Of course, mark this down on your calendars. UFC on Fuel TV 10 is this Saturday. Um... Antonio Nogueira taking on Fabricio Verdum. the tough Brazil tournament finals going on. Um, Rafael Cavalcante is taking on Thiago Silva. Jason High is fighting on that card. The prelims will be going down on Facebook at 4:30. So make a note of that if you're gonna if you're interested in watching the prelims. They're going to be on Facebook at 4:30. The main card will be eight o'clock on Fuel TV. So we're going to get into some Bellator news, and of course the biggest news being that Rampage Jackson is officially a Bellator fighter, but it gets crazier. Rampage is not only fighting in Bellator, but he will also be wrestling for TNA. Crazy shit, right? Now, obviously, all signs from from what I've heard in a couple of different interviews and a couple of different websites, Rampage is going to be fighting at heavyweight. He's going to be doing work with TNA. Obviously, everybody's pumped for a fight with King Mo. Rampage even went on record saying that, you know, if a good fight came up at 205, that he'd cut the weight and fight at 205. I, um, wow. That's pretty cool. Shout out to Martin Rotela who is saying hello from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Very cool. Thank you for tuning in, Martin. Um, You can join in on the GFQ chat on the top. Or you can use the Mixler chat. Very cool. Got a listener in from Argentina for the live show. Um, (laughs) Val in the the Mixler chat is saying, so they drop Doug Williams and they pick up Rampage, who is not a wrestler. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Doug Williams situation, Val, so I will get into that in the wrestling segment. But Rampage coming into Bellator serves many purposes. Number one, you get a banner fighter who everybody knows, who his name is pretty much synonymous with, with mixed martial arts and he will be the guy that you can kind of build a brand around. Now from a wrestling standpoint, you're taking a guy who's in his late thirties and he's going to learn the sweet science of professional wrestling that can either be really good or really bad. But I will say this, even if rampage is involved in a limited capacity in wrestling, I think that his contributions to TNA from the wrestling standpoint will be tremendous Think about it, you know, exchanges with guys like Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, guys that work that strong style, that hybrid MMA style. It it can work, it will work. But um, I'll discuss the the signing on the wrestling side a little bit a little bit later. But like I said, he's going to be joining Bellator. He's got a similar deal to like King Mo, and they're going to do a lot of other things too. I mean, TMZ caught up with Rampage, and Rampage, of course, said that. When he, you know, when he was in the UFC, the deal he had there is small potatoes versus the deal he has with Bellator. He says, you know, when other fighters get to see everything I'm able to do with this deal and the benefits it it provides, you're going to see a big change in MMA, I guarantee it. I am sure that Eddie Alvarez is listening to that statement and pretty much lifting a middle finger at the screen When he read that because obviously Eddie Alvarez is trying to get out of his Bellator contract and go to the UFC and there's a whole bunch of shit going on but make of it what you will a Rampage King Mo fight is a certainty at some point and I'm sure it's going to be a nice big money fight Uh, Rampage is supposed to show up on impact tonight since they changed to the nine o'clock schedule. I was not able to see it so I can't share my thoughts with you guys but I'll watch it after the show's over and I'll touch on it next week. Another pro wrestler who made the jump to MMA is making his MMA return this weekend. And that is the one and only Bobby Lashley. He will be fighting this weekend for Titan fighting championships. He will be taking on Kevin concrete Absland, who is 13 and four as the main event. And you'll be able to check that out on access TV. If you have it. And, um, you know, 10 PM Eastern Bobby Lashley is your main event. And, um, you know, Jake Lindsay, Zach Freeman, um, Aaron Darrow, Mauricio Navarro, couple of solid fights there. I agree with what, you know, Ames Bell said on the Mixler side. It's true. That Rampage Mo fight is going to happen because look, I like Bellator. It's a great organization, but let's not kid ourselves about their light heavyweight division. Their light heavyweight division is okay. You know, it's not, it's not as deep as the UFC's division, but they've got a couple of, of decent guys there, but Let's let let's also look at this too. rampage complained in the UFC that he got guys that always wanted to take him down and didn't want to stand and bang and blah, blah, blah. And he was saying, you know, that his knees are getting better and he's going to be able to, to to go in there and, and do what he's got to do. And Bjorn Rebney kind of he was like, yeah, we're going to look for a, a good fight for Ram- a couple, you know, a fight for rampage. That's that's good for the organization. This is, this is what I, I gathered from that. Rampage, we're going to find you a guy who has no wrestling experience that is going to go out there and stand in front of you and let you punch him in the face for ratings. What do you think? Seems legit. Let's do it. Seriously. It's mixed martial arts. It encompasses all aspects of martial arts, including wrestling. And for those of you that don't think wrestling can be considered a martial art You're fucking stupid. But seriously, what does Rampage think? Everybody's going to go and stand and bang with him? Think about it. That's like me walking up to Brock Lesnar and telling Brock Lesnar, we're going to stand here and we're going to swing fists until one of us is unconscious. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to swing. It may hurt him a little bit. He's gonna swing because he does it professionally, and my head may be separated from my neck. Maybe that's what I'm saying. Like, like nobody's gonna consciously go out there and stand with you, Rampage, especially when they know that you got napalm fists. It, that, that when he when he used that logic and that rationale in some of his interviews, I was so mad. And I'm a hardcore Rampage fan. I kid you not. I'm actually staring at a um. Round five rampage figure that's on my desk, right next to a round five Vanderlei Silva, and of course a round five Kimbo Slice. Don't judge me. I got a Kimbo Slice action figure on my set, on um, on my desk. I liked watching him punch fucking guys in the face at an airport or at a barbecue. Sue me. Anyway, in Rampage's case, I'm I'm glad. You know, I'm glad he's got a deal. I I'm glad he's got that passion for for mixed martial arts. I'm glad that he can play theatrics with with TNA. Uh, that's great news. That's fantastic. But I will say that the best part of this whole deal is that Viacom is footing the bill. And I'll tell you guys why. Bellator, they got they got some decent pockets. They could they could pay some some good money to these fighters. And TNA may 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 pay some decent money to these fighters, but when you got deep pockets, when you have a network signing your check, it's a different ball game, and I'll tell you why. Do you think for one second that we're just going to get Rampage on Bellator and Rampage on, on TNA Impact? No, we're going to get Rampage's house, or we're going to get Rampage the rent collector, or we're going to get some other shit. That's what's going to happen. It's, it's a no-brainer. That is what we're going to get. Rampage isn't just coming in and, and doing a Bellator deal and doing an Impact Wrestling deal. He is going to do... A whole bunch of other stuff that Viacom will squeeze his nuts for. And maybe he'll do another movie. And Bellator will be like, yeah, great, no problem. Go right ahead. Like I said, I'll touch a little bit more on it in the wrestling segment because there's a lot of things on the wrestling side with Rampage's signing that I do want to address. I was bummed to read that Invicta FC strawweight champion, Carla Esparza, suffered a knee injury and she is out of her title fight at Invicta FC six Ayaka um, Hamasaki will now meet Claudia Gadeja instead. I, I was bummed. I mean, you know, Carla Carla Sparza, when she won her her belt, she you know she put on a really really solid display of wrestling. Tremendous. Not not every day that you see you see um, you know obviously besides like Misha Tate um, Ronda Rousey, uh, a girl who has such, such great wrestling. Her wrestling was, is fantastic to watch. Uh, you know, I follow her on, on Facebook and her fan page. She puts up a lot of cool shit and she puts up a lot of videos, a lot of training stuff. And, and her wrestling, her shoot is, is, uh, is, is magic to watch and to hear that she, you know, she got that knee injury. it, It sucks, but you know, she'll defend the belt, rest assured. Anyway, that doesn't put a damper on the rest of the on the uh, ugh, excuse me on the on the rest of the Invicta FC card because that goes down July thirteenth and you still got Marlu's Kunin taking on Cyborg for the featherweight title. You got Sarah D'Elio on that card fighting Lauren Taylor. Um, Nick daly Kalanak is on that card. Julia Budd is on that card. Um, Rose Namajunas is on that card. I'm a I'm a Rose Namajunas mark um, just because flying flying armbar. Look it up. Rose Namajunas, N-A-M-A-J-U-N-A-S. Look for the flying armbar that she pulled off in her last fight. It was ridiculous. I I was uh, so excited for Pat Barry just because I'm a Pat Barry Mark II, and it was just just beautiful to watch from start to finish. But anyway, if you want to see that card July 13th, it's going to be online pay-per-view, the prelims, which are going to go down at 8 p.m., and, of course, the the online pay per view portion, the main card will be at ten o'clock. Another buddy of Rampage is also heading to Bellator, even though it hasn't been confirmed yet, and that will be the one and only Czech Congo, who was released from the UFC following his loss to Roy Nelson. So there you go, Czech Congo can go and you know knee people in the nuts in Bellator a couple of times. No disrespect to Czech, I mean that's all I ever knew him for, going out and having that slugfest with um, you know. That, that slugfest with Pat Barry and just kneeing guys in the nuts a lot. So, um, yeah, simple as that. So, I got to talk about something extremely disheartening, and that is that Canada, pretty much across the board, legalized MMA, including, you know, well, contact sports, including mixed martial arts, taekwondo, karate, all of it are officially legalized in Canada. So, Ridiculous. On top of that, just just to throw more salt in the wound, Connecticut is another state that has approved mixed martial arts. The Connecticut State Senate voted to pass HB 5277, a bill that legalizes mixed martial arts in the state. The bill was approved by a 26 to 9 vote this past Wednesday. So with that said, New York is now the only state where MMA is banned. It's disgusting. Mark Ratner said on Twitter, Connecticut becomes the 49th state to legalize MMA. New York is the last holdout and we'll get there too. So not not to shit on Connecticut. Any of you listeners that that are from Connecticut, not to shit on you guys, but you know, you go to Connecticut for Mystic Pizza, visit WWE headquarters. You know, do all this do do all this bullshit, maybe maybe bump into Brock Lesnar, destroying Triple H's office. You know that stuff. But the Mecca the Mecca of sports, Madison Square Garden cannot hold an octagon in two thousand and thirteen disgusts me to no end. The fact that I can see Muay Thai fights at Madison Square Garden or or the racetrack or in any of the other places that I've gone to see Muay Thai fights. But I can't enjoy the UFC or Bellator or any other promotion that wants to hold a card in New York State. It disgusts me. New York City alone, they they just opened a, a UFC gym in Midtown. They're opening a UFC gym 10 minutes from my house. The, the organization has a footprint in our state already. But we can't get this lead. It's disgusting. And seriously, Connecticut got MMA before we did. Our our politicians are ginormous pieces of shit. Sheldon Silver, you are a douchebag. Because he's he's one of the holdouts and he is he is a he's always been a piece of shit, but even more so now. You know, Michael Bloomberg our mayor, he he he's a guy that worries about what size soda you're drinking. He doesn't give a shit if people are out there punching each other in the face and he's on his last term anyway. It's embarrassing. Embarrassing that Connecticut is the 49th state to legalize mixed martial arts and New York continues to wallow in, in the fucking background. It's disgusting. Anyway, last bit of MMA news to wrap things up. UFC 162 is officially finalized. That's going down July 6th. And, of course, the main event, Anderson Silva taking on Chris Weidman for the middleweight title Frankie Edgar will be fighting on that card against Charles Oliveira, the Korean zombies taking on Ricardo Lamas, Dennis Seaver and Cub Swanson and Hodger Gracie and Tim Kennedy. That main card will be on pay-per-view. The prelims will be on FX and the other early prelims will be on Facebook. So there you have it. Anyway, that's going to wrap up the MMA for this week. It's that time, ladies and gentlemen. The best time, the craziest time, it's time for wrestling
1: the gold go,
0: sucker oh Hogan we going for you so it's funny that i play the raw intro music but the first thing we're going to talk about is tna's Slammiversary pay-per-view which i will admit was extremely enjoyable. And it's crazy because you know i shit on TNA a lot. I really do. I give them a lot of hell, but they've been stepping their game up. And Slam honestly did not disappoint. It really didn't. There were some low spots but it wasn't enough for me to be like, "Oh, this card is shit." On the contrary, they're opening Ultimate X match with Kenny King, Chris Sabin and Suicide. Don't get me wrong. I knew I knew uh, Chris Sabin was gonna win it because you know they got the feel good story coming back from the injury. Um, you know he's a guy that's gonna probably honestly I wouldn't be shocked if Chris Sabin took his belt, his X division title, and cashed it in for a main event title opportunity and won the belt. And I'll tell you why. Chris Saban has been a staple of, of the organization for about as long as I've been watching. I remember when he was by himself, and you know his great run with the with the Motor City Machine Guns. You know when he first started, he had the really cool hesitation drop kick. He had some tremendous X Division matches. If you look, I mean, if you look up any old Chris Saban stuff, you'll see the guy definitely can go out there and put put work in. But the only thing I've always felt is that Chris Sabin, you know, his mic work, it, it fluctuates between, yeah, man, you know, I'm the X Division champion. I've seen Velvet Sky naked. Uh, City machine guns, what? You know, and then it's like, blah, 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 Kenny King, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, it fluctuates. So please, you know, get him a manager. Maybe start moving him in that direction. Maybe just have him sit with Austin Aries every week and hear Austin Aries cut promos. Maybe that'll help. Either way, match was fantastic. And of course, um, suicide did not eat the pinfall. So, you know, all is well. We may still get a uh, suicide title opportunity down the road. But Chris Sabin, congratulations. Awesome match. He was busted open afterwards. You know, brother Hulk Hogan comes out, shakes his hand with his Mickey Mouse mitt after, after the radiator explosion he had. You know, really cool, great Great showing by the X-Division and a solid opener for the card. Next up, Samoa Joe, Magnus, Jeff Hardy took on lame-ass Eric, uh, Eric Bischoff, sperm receptacle Garrett Bischoff, um, Wes Briscoe, and Mr. Anderson. Now, a couple of things. Wes Briscoe, good wrestler, comes from a great background. Wrestling is in his blood. Fantastic. Mr. Anderson serviceable I don't know where or or what happened that he just fucking got relegated to obscurity and playing the um the hype man for aces and eights. but whatever you occasionally get good matches out of Anderson Garrett Bischoff carry my fucking luggage that's who he is he is carry my luggage um scrub the toilet he's that guy he's the he's the ball boy of TNA he you're not a wrestler dude I don't care how many tattoos or tight ass leather vests you wear, you're garbage in the ring. And it and it showed in this match. Samoa Joe a beast in this match. Tremendous. Magnus, I guarantee you before 2014 ends, Magnus will hold the TNA World Heavyweight Title. I'm telling you. And Jeff Hardy, you know, Jeff Hardy he fluctuates. He took some time off, comes back, he's fresh. He looked good in that match. But again, the glaring, the glaring black eye on that match was Garrett Bischoff. But luckily, you know, Garrett Bischoff, he's in there for a little bit. He throws an eye rake or whatever. You know, but Val is saying that, that TNA should fire Jeff Hardy. They will not fire Jeff Hardy as long as he keeps churning out merchandise. Plus, you know, if the guy says, hey, I need time off or I may or may not You know, accidentally fall on this line of cocaine, then TNA's got to be like, look, man, we're good. Go ahead. Take your time. Look, love or hate Jeff Hardy, the kids love him. Girls love him. Emo kids love him. And he moves merchandise. And unfortunately, in the era of wrestling we live in today, the more merch you sell, the more people love you. But, you know, he may wander in there one day and be like, hey, man, I'm kind of, you know... I'm getting that buzz, man. You know, I need, I need like a month off. And you see Dixie Car like, go ahead, go ahead. Whatever you need, Jeff, whatever you need. And he walks out, thanks, Dixie. And he walks out, stupid. And then he goes home and just chills for like a month. Comes back, has some good matches. And hey, you know, I need like a year off. Cause you know, uh, I'm not feeling so hot. No problem, Jeff, whatever you need. So that's, that's the Jeff Hardy conundrum. Now if Jeff Hardy came to WWE, Vince McMahon would be like, "Damn it! Give him all the cocaine he wants. Smoke the cocaine up your ass, Jeff. It'll get you high faster." You know, like that's 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 the kind of shit that would happen because Jeff Hardy for all his talents and for all his stuff, he is he is a guy with vices. You know, he's a, he's a guy that he has his vices. Now, uh, again, my views are my views. If Jeff Hardy's clean, more power to him. I commend him because he has a little girl and, um, you know, that would be, that would be the way to do it. So whatever, if, if he has a kid and he's cleaned up great, but whenever Jeff Hardy takes time off, that's exactly what I assume. He's like, yo man, I'm kind of getting that buzz. You know, is it too late for the five o'clock free crack giveaway? Jeff, go home. Jeff, go home. Like that—that's the kind of—that's the kind of shit, that that you get when you deal with a Jeff Hardy, you know. And it's funny, Val says I used to like Jeff Hardy back in the day, but now he wrestles like trash. It, the guy, you know, he—he's a spot fest. You know, he—he—he he, he does have good wrestling on occasion. He really—it depends on who he's out there with. If Jeff Hardy's out there with with Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle could wrestle a bag of rice covered in dog shit. And make it look good because that's what Kurt Angle does. So he, Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle makes him look good. AJ Styles makes Jeff Hardy look good. It it really is hit or miss when he's out there. So the um, Gut Check Bound for Glory series qualifier had Jay Bradley taking on Sam Shaw, which was which was a good a, a solid match. I was bummed because both guys are are serviceable. They're 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 great talents. Um, you know, they are great talents that are that are added to the organization, but I really think that as a whole, they this really didn't deserve to be a um, a pay per view match. It was okay, but pay per view worthy not in the, not in the least. On the contrary, I did feel that the crowd kind of lost its energy after this match, uh, just because it was you know it was about four minutes. It was okay. But there was there was no build up, there was nothing, just the, the whole bound for glory qualifier. That's all it was. Eh, you know, make of it what you will. So we had our T V title match with Devon, accompanied by Nux, aka Mike Knox, aka designated baggage carrier number nine, who was supposed to take on Joseph Parks for the T V title. Joseph Parks decided I'm gonna trade in my terrible fucking Kmart tracksuit. For that wonderful mankind style abyss mask, and come out and dethrone Devon as the TV champion. Your new champion is Abyss. Now, obviously, there's always going to be jokes with that. It's kind of like you know Gregory Helms and the Hurricane Joseph Park and Abyss. That's what's going to happen. That's going to be the new thing. Is Joseph Park Abyss? Joseph Park went into a cab last night and ca- and out came Abyss out of the trunk. Was Abyss in the trunk? Find out on TNA Impact this week. Like, that's the kind of shit that that, we're, that they're going to give us. Because you know what the problem is? TNA's writing automatically assumes that wrestling fans are stupid. That's what they do. It's like, really? We're going to do the whole is-Joseph-Park-Abyss scenario? That's what's going to happen. Seriously. Another match that kind of... Eh. I mean, the the crowd... You know, the crowd comes out, and they're really into Abyss, and that was cool, but the match itself, it just was so quick. Another four-minute match, and like I said, that was the another buffer match. So Dixie Carter, you know, Dixie Carter came out, and she, um, she announced the next TNA Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, of course, they were celebrating 11 years of TNA. I thought that it was going to be Jarrett. I really did, but they threw the curveball, and the newest inductee is Kurt Angle. Olympic gold medalist, becomes a Hall of Famer for TNA. Um, pretty cool, I will say this. I like Kurt, big fan of Kurt. Had tremendous matches in TNA, but Jeff Jarrett found the fucking company. Holy shit. Hi, we're going to induct Sting, and we're going to induct Kurt Angle, but we're not going to induct the guy who whose father and him founded the company. Nah, we're not going to do it. Maybe next year, Jeff, maybe next year. Like, if they said, hey, we're going to induct AJ Styles, I- I'll accept that. I'll accept it. AJ built the fucking company with with those guys. Samoa Joe, he came in a little later, but still. But AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, James Storm, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, The Amazing Red, Primetime Elix Skipper, um, Chris Harris, uh, who else? Sonny Siaki. I can go down the list of guys that helped build that company. Jerry Lynn, Abyss, the Reverend uh, James Mitchell. Come on, man. I endured ten dollar weekly pay per views that that had Jeff Jarrett coming out with those stupid yellow sunglasses and those terrible shorts that he wore with the double Js on them, cracking people with guitars in like two thousand and four. And it's like, all right, dude, we got it. You hit people with guitars. Thanks. But seriously, I I felt that it was a slight to to Jeff Jarrett to not put him in there. Seriously. Or his father. Put his father in there. Put Jerry Jarrett in there. I, I don't understand why you would do that. Maybe Dixie Carter just doesn't like the Jarrett's. But it's like, yo, there wouldn't be a Dixie Carter without the Jarrett's without the aj's, without the bobby roods, without the james storms. i like kurt angle. he deserves to be in there. don't get me wrong, but kurt angle came to the party after the fact. he wasn't he wasn't out there giving us $10 pay-per-view matches every week. my cable bill would have an extra 40 bucks because i ordered $10 tna pay-per-views. You know, I watched when Slim J was in a match with fucking Shark Boy. Come on, get out of here. Put Shark Boy in there. Shit. Anyway, moving on. Our tag team title elimination match. Uh, Chavo and Hernandez. <clears throat> excuse me, Chavo and Hernandez. Don't mind me. I need a drink of this Monster Energy because I'm kind of losing my voice. Anyway, Chavo and Hernandez took on Bad Influence. Rudin Aries and James Storm and Gunner. Truly shocked. Truly shocked that James Storm and Gunner got the win. But the match itself, tremendous. Really great spots. We got a, a, a border toss from Hernandez. Hadn't seen that in a while. Nice frog splash from Chavo was clean. But Storm and Gunner, I understand you want to put the belts on them, maybe get them over. But first of all, they need a tag team name of some sort. You know, Storm and Gunner is just... yeah. Give a, I really am a, a purist when it comes to tag teams. Like, if you're putting dudes together as a tag team, give them a unified name. Like, Daniels and Kazarian. I like that they were Daniels and Kazarian. And then they, they brought it full circle. They're like, we're the bad influence. I, I like that. When they put Rude and Storm together, it took a couple of months, but they were beer money. And it worked. Like, if you're going to put Storm and Gunner together for the foreseeable future, which for Gunner is nothing but good... Give them, give them something. You know, don't do America's Most Wanted or some, you know, rehash. But give them, give them a unified name and matching ring gear. Nothing annoy. I, I think it's a peeve, a pet peeve. Tag team titles, you know, tag team competitors that don't have matching ring gear. Seriously. Ah, Val, Bulletstorm. That, that could work. Bulletstorm would work something instead of cowboy and beard guy that's what I was going with cowboy and beard guy would work anyway let's get into this match which for some reason ended up on TMZ and that is the last knockout standing match with Gail Kim and Taryn Terrell first of all it's not every day that you tune in and you get to see knockouts doing hardcore matches like this like like you know, last knockout standing. I we've seen a knockouts hardcore match. Uh, you know we've seen we've seen some good stuff. Now, the concept of the last knockout standing for me personally, I felt it was gonna suck because Taryn Terrell, she's she's cute, she's pretty to look at, but her wrestling still has a long way to go. But Gail Kim is a ring general because she made Taryn Terrell in that match. She made her. In that match, she put her over in such a way that it was just ridiculous. And ODB being a ref bugs me to no end because she's just continuing to be underutilized. It, it, it disgusts me to how underutilized ODB is. But regardless of that, the match itself from start to finish was extremely enjoyable. I don't give out star ratings, but I would honestly say that was a four star match. There were great spots. There was amazing physicality. It was tremendous. Like, if I were the WWE Divas, not the and I'm talking about not the real Divas that work. You know, the Natalias, the Beth Phoenix, the, uh, you know, women that work. I'm talking about the Bellas, the, the you know, who, what are the fucking dummies that they got? Oksana. You know, all the real worthless ones that don't do shit. They should be watching that match and taking notes. Those ladies put on a clinic, a clinic, which you wouldn't which you wouldn't expect. It was shocking how, 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 how physical that match was, you know, and Gail Kim using the, uh, the ring post figure four, tremendous. Now it's funny that Val that you mentioned the Funkadactos because out of the two of them, Naomi is a very accomplished wrestler. But we'll never see that because you know she's gonna come out and do the flying butt bump because you know that's what that's what I'm gonna use. Seriously, Slick, you make a valid point. Slick says Caitlyn, AJ, the Funkadactyls, and Tamina need to be the divas and then get some knockouts. It's true. Natalia, Caitlyn, a and Caitlyn's come a a long way. She's still not there, but she's come a long way. Natalia, Caitlyn, AJ. Naomi, Cameron, eh, and Tamina definitely and, and Layla. Layla Layla's definitely, you know, a veteran. That's it. The Bellas, Oksana, garbage. And and the two girls that they got for that Diva show. I mean, if 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 putting up half naked pictures on Instagram was a was a barometer for their ability, then I'd say that those two chicks are, are, are the greatest wrestlers ever, because the amount of, the amount of, of, of boobs that, that we see from them on Instagram, like, oh, hi, we're backstage, oh, hi, here we are with fucking Eve Torres, oh, hi, look, look at my new bathing suit, and it's like, yeah, don't get me wrong, any, any red-blooded guy with a pulse that, that, that has a functioning set is gonna be like, sup, but, the wrestling fan is gonna be like, ugh, more non-wrestling Kelly Kellys. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> Slick wrote something that I really would love to say, but yeah, it, it's anyway. If you're in the chat, you'll know what he said. But seriously, that's what I'm talking about. You're looking at the, these these girls that are coming in, and, and part and and partially, you gotta blame you know, talent, talent relations. Cause they go out and Vince is like, does she wrestle? Yeah, Vince, she wrestles mud wrestling or real wrestling mud wrestling. Vince, give her a contract. Like that's, that's what he does. That's what Vince does. You got a 71 year old guy. Do you think he legitimately wants to see two women go out there and give you a four star Matt classic? hell no! If Vince McMahon could make them wrestle in mud topless, he would. Yes, Val says, does she have implants? No, buy her a pair Now. Seriously, like that's what Vince would do that. Vince would fucking do that. Does she have implants? Buy her a pair. See, luckily, AJ hasn't fallen for that because she wears, like, three padded bras, and she's even said that. She'll wear, like, three bras or some shit. And I figured that out because ODB does that, and she does that blatantly. If you've seen any old ODB matches, you'll see that she has, like, a, a, a cleavage-enhancing bra underneath another bra. You would think that, that she's walking around with, with two life preservers and not breasts. But seriously, that that's how it works. Vince hires these girls and talent relation hires these girls based on how hot they were in the October page of, you know, the Hawaiian Tropic calendar or how hot they were on as Miss December in the Hooters calendar. Oh, she may have been Hugh Hefner's fuck toy. Great. Give her a job. Like that's what that's what Vince looks at, which is unfortunate because there's so many talented Amazing female talents that are out there. I mean, you take Sarah Del Rey. You bring Sarah Del Rey into the WWE, and she trains the divas. They don't put her on TV because you know she's not your 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 playboy playmate, spank material diva that they put out there initially. No, you're gonna train these dummies to be close to what you are. That's what Sarah Del Rey is relegated to doing. It's a travesty. If Sarah Del Rey went out there, I would build, let, let, let's, do, let's do some fantasy booking real quick. The ideal Divas division would consist of Beth Phoenix, Natalia, AJ, Caitlin, Naomi, Sarah Del Rey, Awesome Kong, Gail Kim, Tara, Mickey James, Velvet Sky, Angelina Love, um, Katrina Waters, that would be the division that there you know that's that's how I would build that 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 division I would build it like that and, and not for nothing t n a kind of dropped the ball they started building a women's tag team division and you know who your champions are o d b and eric young just saying t n a you have good stuff but then you you you, you drop the ball seriously w w e they really need to go out there and, and take advantage of all the tools they have. Look, you have three hours of live programming Monday nights. You have one hour of programming Wednesday night. You have another two hours of programming Friday night. But, you know, we're going to give you 3MB. We're going to give you Ryback Heavy Breathing into a mic for ten minutes. We're gonna give you that. We're gonna give you Triple H burying Curtis Axel as soon as he comes out. That's what we're gonna do. Instead of giving instead of giving us, you know, great women's wrestling, WWE had a solid Divas division when when it was Trish Stratus, Mickey James, Lita, Ivory, Molly Holly, um who else can I throw in that list? Oh, Jazz. Right there, I just named some, some, some retro talent that would run circles, circles around these women. Circles. Glorified bikini models. And, and sure, you know, anybody can say, yeah, Rich, but you know, we're not watching the divas for the wrestling. Yeah, but I'm not watching the divas to force myself to go to the bathroom. Seriously, like I want to be engaged. I want to be able to sit there and, and, and give the WWE three hours of my life on a Monday and walk away like, yeah, Raw was badass this week from start to finish. And, and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Rich is being really bitter. But it's true. That last knockout standing match is the gold standard right now in 2013 for women's matches. Seriously. suncast trolling az in the chat (laughs) nice anyway kurt angle and emo lone wolf aj styles had a had an amazing match but like i said kurt angle and a wet bag of dog hair will give you a good match because that's what kurt angle does and with aj those guys have amazing chemistry aj debuted some new music which was nice and and a little sons of anarchy ish too but it wasn't bad but at least it brings it full circle I do have to commend AJ though on not only changing his his entire look and his persona but also changing the way he wrestles to go with his gimmick he's more I guess he's more vicious if you want to say that you know you see so you, you know he broke out a spine buster um, you know we had a, a, a lion saw almost uh, some some really great spots. Springboard four fifty, which was nice, just tremendous. Not only the only thing that bothered me about that match was that um, you know, the giving the the win to Kurt Angle hurt AJ Styles in my opinion. And the reason I say that is because in AJ's case, he he just debuted this new gimmick. Everybody was kind of digging it, and then. You you know you you drop the ball and you give Kurt the win. Like like I say, sometimes in wins and losses, you gotta give it to the guy who's who's starting to build that momentum. Kurt Angle losing would not have hurt him in the least. Plus, making AJ kind of get a decent victory on him would have looked good. I like the new theme music. You know, I don't like his, his his shitty old school Justin Bieber you know blowout looking hairdo, but the wrestling is on point as always. Anyway, to wrap things up on the TNA side, the no holes barred match with Bully Ray and Sting was about as academic as you would expect. The right guy went over, of course, that being Bully Ray, who continues to impress as a heel. The only thing was that, you know, and it was and it was interesting too because Sting came, he took an ass whooping from Aces and Eighth. The match itself was good, but the overbooked cliche finish was not the move. I will say this though nobody came out to help Sting. And, of course, I'm sure this is leading to to maybe we're going to get Lone Wolf Sting as well. But the beauty of it all is that the the use of social media to kind of move the angle forward. I made the mistake of following Sting. And I totally forgot that I followed him because Sting doesn't tweet shit. But he did tweet that, hey, you know, nobody came out to help me. I see how it is. So I, I really appreciated that because that was... That was some, some, a nice acknowledgement. I mean, Andrew mentioned it as well on Matt Men this afternoon, which you can check out Thursdays at 5.30 with him and Rich Stambolian. They they were talking about the fact that nobody came out to help Sting, and it was a a, a cool observation. And when I saw it, I was like, hey, you know, nobody gave Sting the solid, but clearly we're going to see that this is going to develop into an angle, and, and I commend them for that. And Sting not getting the belt, I didn't want him to get it in the first place, but, you know... Sting, in this case, now he, he may do the AJ Styles route and, you know, kind of go lone wolf hiding in the rafters or, or he may do the full-on heel turn. Who knows? But I will say this. The Bully Ray payoff, I, I hope to God, is not a match with Hogan. And the reason I say that is because, think about it. Hogan trusted Sting to get the belt back. Sting doesn't get the belt. The inevitable Brooke Hogan heel turn is coming. She's going to side with Aces and H. She's going to come out with some black leather, some short skirts. Dudes are going to be like, oh my God, Brooke Hogan, yeah! But um, it, it's coming. It's going to happen. So, you know, the, the that's the only thing that concerns me. Is the long-term payoff going to be Bully Ray and the Hulkster. I hope not. You know, I really hope that we're not going to get that because quite honestly, that would just, that would just destroy the entire buildup that you've given Bully Ray because Bully Ray is going to have to run into the big boot. Like, brother, I'm going to throw you into the ropes, brother, brother. Brother, run into my foot, brother. He's down, brother. Oh, my hip brother. Oh, brother. Seriously. Like, that's what we're going to get. Please, please don't do it. Don't do it. Find something. Build up a new guy. But let please don't turn it into Bully Ray and Hogan at, like, the next bound for glory. I, I, I really will stop watching TNA if that's how it's going to go down. I'm not even kidding you. There you go. Hogan can get Miguel to do the leg drop on him. Yes, Val. Yes. Seriously. What, what, what do you want? What do you want Bully Ray to do? Run into his leg? All right, Hulk, I'm going to run into your foot. All right, brother, go ahead. Come on. Seriously, it's 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 terrible. It's terrible if that's the payoff. I like AZ's Wolfpack reference. It's true. Wolfpack, I can understand. Hogan trying to come out there. He, he's another one that, like, fucking the great Khali should just come out on a Segway. Yes, the Vince voice and the Hogan voice are the same, at, at times. I'm sorry, my my Hogan isn't as good. My racist Vince is better, but my Hogan is not that good. Damn it, Slick! <laughs> Got to drink more Monster Energy to get it uh to to get to get the raspiness for Hogan. I and I and I know you're 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 breaking my balls. Anyway, let's get into Raw. Raw was, you know, you come off of uh, of a great Slam anniversary, and then you go into Raw and. Daniel Bryan I fucking love Daniel Bryan. He is tremendous. He is tremendous. Daniel Bryan is without a doubt the best performer on Monday nights. And and I don't say that to clown the SHIELD or anybody else, but just because the crowd he has the not even not even a, a gimmick. He comes out there and he yells. Yes and no and yes and no. And he yells that he's the weak link, which if people, if people don't realize it, Daniel Bryan is, is channeling a little bit of Owen Hart in, in, you know, in, in his, I'm not a nugget f- phase. Think about it. He comes out there. I am not the weak link. I'm not. And all I visualize was Owen Hart yelling. I am not a nugget. Seriously. That's exactly what I saw. Daniel Bryan holy shit. tremendous that six-man tag match with with the shield was bananas even even with Randy Orton in there it was still good and and I did you know I'm not gonna talk about raws opening because it was exactly what you would expect Stephanie and Vince come out because they ch- they hyped it up and uh, yeah Vince McMahon is gonna wrestle blah 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 the crowd is beneath triple H blah I'll discuss that later on and I'll share my thoughts on why I didn't talk about that in a few minutes but this six man tag match, holy shit! I'm telling you, it, it, it's like the days when Paul Heyman had the SmackDown Six. When when Heyman had the SmackDown Six, it was it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous back then. And and Daniel Bryan, Kane, and the Shield, you could throw Kofi Kingston in there. Are are really good. I will say this though, that the um Randy Orton heel turn. Is imminent. I'll just say that because I don't want to I don't want to give too much away, but uh the Randy Orton heel turn is imminent. Just saying. Anyway, so the Usos came out with some fresh face paint, doing the Siba Tao, had a great match with the primetime players. If you're wondering, hey, the Usos are on TV and they won a match, that is because they are starting to build the Usos back up as challengers for the SHIELD. So there you have it. The reasoning behind the Usos getting getting some T V time and and a little bit of a of a Samoan SWAT team gimmick is because they're building them up to take on the SHIELD, and that's that's gonna be tremendous. You know, you got you got Roman Reigns in there, you know, who's probably related to them in some capacity. You got Rollins in there, it's just gonna be the battle of long haired motherfuckers. I'll take it though, because it's the the Usos are extremely underutilized and underrated, and I think they're gonna have some awesome matches with the Shield. Um, Ambrose, Ambrose doesn't need any acknowledge because Ambrose is awesome on his own. Del Rio took on Biggie Langston for what seemed like the 85th time for a couple of reasons. Jack Swagger, his hand is hurt. Hopefully that's not the hand that he uses to roll up the Philly blunts. Cause obviously that would be a detriment to his career, but he is nursing a hand injury. Also, he couldn't go and compete when they went in Canada because he has a criminal record. So if you're wondering where Jack Swagger is, no, he is not braiding Zeb Coulter's hair. He is actually nursing an injury. I couldn't care less because Jack Swagger is is boring as fuck. Anyway, so... Either way, as I said, Del Rio and um, Biggie Langston had a good match. It, it was as formulaic as you would expect. I think they're teasing the Biggie Langston separation from, from Dolph and AJ just because of AJ's reaction to him losing... Possible may happen. Biggie Langston. I'm th- from what I heard they were gonna get him ready to uh, to go into a program with Mark Henry, but of course Mark Henry is injured or nursing injury, so we are not gonna get the black on black crime that I'm sure Slick and everybody else would have been looking forward to seeing. Not happening. But we did get a solid match out of Sheamus and Cody Rhodes. But again, not a not a fan of Sheamus just coming out there and burying guys. And that's really what happened because, in the wins and losses column, Cody needs all the wins he can get. Sheamus, not so much. He's a Triple H guy. They should really make a special shirt for um for Triple H for for Triple H's boys, kind of like the Paul Heyman shirt, and just have it say Triple H guys and have a hammer on it. Because Sheamus, Sheamus is one. Uh, Brad Maddox is another. Sandow is another, I believe. Those are those are all Triple H guys. So. Seriously, Cody Cody didn't need the pinfall on that and Sheamus just just killing him dead. Not the move, but it, it is teasing the 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 feud with with Sandow. So from angle advancement, I can understand. Yes, Val. Brad Maddox because Brad Maddox understands uh the business and what what was some of the other Triple H lines? He understands the business. He has a good look and um he's athletic. Yeah, I don't know about all that. I mean, Brad Maddox, don't get me wrong, he is a scummy heel. He is scummy as shit. And and his mic work is good. You know, he comes out there. um, You know, I I liked when he made fun of the Shield in the Bane voice. Oh, perhaps it was the Shield that made the Super Bowl go black. This promo, Ryback, will be incredibly painful for you. Seriously, like, I, I like that. You know, Brad Maddox being... A complete douchebag? I can dig that. I can dig Brad Maddox being an asshole. It works. The only thing that killed me with him was that, again, we got the ball rolling, 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 and then it's like, oh yeah, Brad Maddox, where is he? Who knows? Who cares? Seriously, is it me or have any of you noticed that we haven't even seen Vicky Guerrero on fucking television? She's the GM, but you barely see her. You barely see Vicky don't see her at all. It's like, uh, so let me get this straight. John Cena comes out, makes his own matches, all this shit happens, no GM. Maybe Brad Maddox pops out, he he pops out like the whoopsie guy in Mortal Kombat, he's like, whoopsie, tag match! And then he disappears. That's what he does. No Vicky, no nothing. And, sure, we all hate Vicky Guerrero, we dislike her, but she's effective in what she does. But when you're creating this whole authority figure, GM blah-blah-fucking-blah person that you expect on TV every week, it, it kind of becomes apparent when when the maniacs are running the asylum. Seriously. I think, I think when Vince dies, he's going to have his head frozen like Ted Williams, and they're just going to plug a computer into it, and he's just going to tell the writers what to do every week, even though he's dead in suspended animation. Seriously. Because that's how disjointed WWE Raw is every week. It's like, oh, Vicky's the GM. But she doesn't come out and make matches or she doesn't do anything because we had to rewrite Raw an hour ago because Vince didn't get to take his his D-ball today and he didn't let one of the Bella Twins give him a handjob in the back. Oh, Vince is having a bad day. Sorry. Vince's music shouldn't be no chance. It'd just be having a bad day. Imagine Vince coming out and they're just bumping you had a bad day. Like when Raw's just going to shit, and just 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 have just have Vince come out to that. Oh my God, it would be it would be tremendous. It would be the greatest thing ever. Just like the the big graphic, and then all of a sudden you just you just hear that that wonderful song. Just imagine, damn it, you're fired. the moment when need it the most. You kick up the leaves and the magic is lost. Tell me your blue cast fade to gray. Tell me your passions. Whenever creative is getting yelled at, they should just play that on loop backstage. Just, just... Which one of you sons of bitches took my coffee? Wasn't me, Vince. I'm sorry. You're fired. Just just Vince just firing guys left and right. Where are my jelly beans? I asked for green ones, damn it. Patterson, you son of a bitch. Sorry, Vince. You're fired. Nope, can't fire you. Can't fire Pat Patterson. Can't. Anyway, so, of course, everyone's, everyone's favorite... Dancing buffoon himself came out this week, and don't get me wrong—I don't mind the guy until he has a match with the Great Kali, because when that happens, this happens.
1: Oh my God! Ah, 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 ah. Oh, that's better. Ah, ah, ah. Ah.
0: Yeah, that's what happens. That's that's what happens when the great Kali is on my screen. Especially when he's in a match. Like, I'm telling you, buy him a fucking Segway. Put the great Khali on a Segway and just have him ride out. Like a mall cop. If he's running around trying to, to find out who Caitlyn's secret admirer is, just have him ride around in a little uniform. Hello. Hey, Khali, how's it going? just have him riding around. He can fucking make it, he barely can make it out there. Seriously. You you know what, if you're a gamer, the great Kali and Hornswoggle is pretty much Kate, Kate Sith from Final Fantasy. Just a big ass goofy motherfucker with a little guy on top. That's who the great Kali is. He is Kate Sith. Him and, him and fucking Hornswoggle. Holy shit! And Fandango has to make that look good. Get the fuck out of here! Seriously, it just it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And then, and then, you know, you got you got fucking what's her name? Good old Summer Rae. Good old Prissy Hen coming out, and, and you see these dudes, yo, man. Summer Ray is a dime, yo. Seriously. That's all I hear. I hear Warner Brothers music when she comes out. You know, she's pretty from the neck down. But you see these dudes. Oh, yeah, man. I Shut up. Shut your face. Terrible. I'm, I'm sorry. And again, I don't want to shit on her. She, doesn't, she probably can wrestle, too. I mean, she played in the lingerie football league, so you know she could take a bump. But she comes out, you see these dudes, oh, I came here for Summer Ray, you see these dudes, holding up these signs. And you know the, the dudes, you know the fans I'm talking about. Hold up, I came to see Summer Ray. Really? You paid $80 to sit in the second row with your Cheeto stained t-shirt and your replica belt that you paid $400 for and, and your refrigerator full of condiments, and you're holding up a sign that says, I came to see Summer Ray? Really? Get the fuck out of here. You know, Kate Sith, poor Fandango's gotta come out there, and, and I feel bad for the dude, because it's like, you know, when, when they tell you, when you, imagine, you're a wrestler, you get to the arena, alright, who am I wrestling tonight? And it's like you got to pull pipe cleaners and the guy who has the shortest pipe cleaner wrestles the great Khali. That's what you got to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Miz came out and Wade Barrett and, you know, Wade Barrett killed the Miz with the bullhammer. hammer. But still, on That's what we get. That is what we get. And then, you know, to close things out, whatever. Just, just to torture you guys here, enjoy this for the rest of the show. Seriously, that's that's the only highlight of the match, the music, because the crowd, whatever. Then it's like, blech. Meanwhile, Wade Barrett had another solid outing with The Miz, which was which was all right. Of course, Fandango caused the match, which you know where this is going. Triple threat match. Maybe they'll put the belt on on, on Fandango. Had to let the A's breathe. You know, maybe that'll happen. And and maybe that'll bring his character full circle because here's the thing, dancing characters as a whole, and this is this is in general characters like Eugene, um, Santino when he was doing the Milan Miracle gimmick, uh, who else can I use? David Otunga, all these guys they come out and their gimmick is cool but then their gimmick just loses momentum because there's nothing else to do with it. You know who's going to suffer from that? Fandango. Because the guy comes out, he has the chick with him, they dance, he doesn't even dance anymore, he's just like, yo, wrap your leg around me, and, you know, I'll get a cheap feeling. it's all good. And then it's like... music. And then he sits out there and he dances, and whatever, and then he goes backstage. And the problem is, Brodus Clay... Started out the same way. Everybody was digging it. Everybody was shucking and jiving. You're going to go out there and shuck and jive for everybody, Brotus. Go out there and shuck and jive. And then by the fourth week, by the fifth week, mind you, listeners in the chat were like, yo, fuck Brotus Clay on my TV this week. Fuck him. That's what it was. Guys are like, there he goes. Yeah, Brotus Clay. Little kids dance. And then it was like, Get this guy off my screen. You know who else suffered from that? Good old Albert. Albert comes out and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm Tenzi and I'm going to come out with my manservant and it's going to take me three hours to take off my ring gear and I'm scary as shit. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be scared of a guy who's named after a dick piercing because that was my gimmick. I'm Prince Albert. Yes. What's up, dick piercing? How's it going? On. On. I mean, it's cool that they put them together because together they, they do, they do well together as opposed to being separate. So I can, I can dig with that. You know, I, I I can dig that. I I can, I can, I can really deal with that. But seriously, dancing gimmicks, um, the, the random fan out of the stands who, who aspired to be a wrestler and got a lucky pinfall on some guy. Those are all well and good. But after about the third week, that shit runs thin as hell. Super thin. People are like, really? This guy again? You know who, who was like that? Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle, for when, when he was out there, I think the only time I really gave a shit about Hornswoggle was when he was with Finley. That was the only time that i was like, oh, Hornswoggle's kind of cool. Remember when they said that he was a McMahon? That Hornswoggle was the son of Vince because they didn't want to make it Kennedy because they fucking hated Mr. Kennedy by that point. It's like, hey, Hornswoggle should be out there with the Ma- with the McMahons because he's Vince's son. Come on. Continuity, people. Hornswoggle was a McMahon. I know some of you guys in the chat remember that shit when it was revealed that Hornswoggle was Vince's son. Or whatever the fuck it was. Some some garbage-ass angle. Terrible. Anyway, we got our CM Punk. Chris Jericho's contract signing, playing the part of Chris Jericho, was Chris Jericho. And playing the part of CM Punk was Paul Heyman. Because, of course, you know, you can't. You got to do the bait and switch. You got to do the bait and switch. Can't, can't give him Punk yet. You give him Punk in Chicago. That's what you do. Especially because there's NHL playoffs this week. CM Punk don't come back on TV during the NHL playoffs. Follow his Twitter. He don't got time for that. CM Punk is like, yo, I want to chill. Watch this hockey. Have sex with Lita a couple of times. Be straight edge. Yell at fans. Watch some hockey. Have sex with Lita some more. And then, then I'll show up to Raw. When I could drive from my house there. That's when I'll show up. It's cool. I didn't mind that some people were like, you know, man, CM Punk should have came back on Raw. No, he, no, stupid. No. CM Punk comes back on the pay-per-view that's coming and emanating out of Chicago because that's where he's from. That's where the crowd is going to pop the largest. Not Raw number 1,214 or some shit. Not, th- not then. Pay-per-view. Certain things I can understand. This was one of them. And not for nothing... Paul Heyman makes it work because that's what Paul Heyman does. Anyway, so we got AJ and the Bellas in a six-person in a six person tag match against Caitlyn, Cameron, and Naomi. Oh, that's right. We've seen this before. Except this time, AJ leaves the Bellas and Caitlyn uses the spear for the win. There you have it. Obviously, this was so... AJ gets her revenge on the Bellas for the Bellas leading, leaving her to get the ass whooping from Caitlyn the last time. That's it. Now, a couple of things. First off, the Bella Twins, your wrestling continues to be shit. Cameron and Naomi, Cameron, don't get another DUI and improve on your wrestling. Naomi, please use your real wrestling skills. No butt bumps. Thank you. Anyway, Daniel Bryan goes into full-on murder death kill mode and decides to have a match with Ryback, which was pretty impressive from start to finish. It was probably Ryback's best outing minus, you know, his his match with Cena, which was which was pretty good, pretty good for what it was, but Bryan made him look like the man in that match. Really did. I mean, everybody was talking about it. Slick was running the um the fan page for Monday Night Raw and, you know, He was, Slick was very vocal about it, and then I watched it when I got home, and I was like, holy shit, Slick wasn't kidding, this match is bananas, Val says it best, Brian is that dude though, yes, yes he is, and you know what, I recommend, do yourselves a favor, go on YouTube, look up Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson versus Tyler Black, who is Seth Rollins, that Ring of Honor match that was, I believe, Seth Rollins' last match before he came to WWE was masterful. These guys beat the shit out of each other at Ring of Honor. It's cool because you know, like the fans, they throw the streamers like they do in Japan. So after that match was over, people were throwing the streamers, standing ovation. It was it was beautiful. So Daniel Bryan, he's he's the he, he lives for this shit. He is the best at what he does, and and Ryback he made Ryback look very good, very good. It' not for nothing. Ryback needs matches with guys like this, guys that can bring out that that new dynamic in in terms of wrestling. Ryback is 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 look, the guy is is, is a giant, giant monster of a, of a human, and, and you're and you're booking him as that, but. He needs cultivation. It's like you wake up and you decide, I'm going to grow a tomato plant. And this is a terrible analogy, but stick with me. I'm going to grow a tomato plant. I'm going to cultivate it and whatever. Oh, look, my tomato plant is growing. It's growing, it's growing, it's growing. Oh, it's starting to bend. Oh, I better reinforce my tomato plant with a curtain rod or a stick so it doesn't break. Daniel Bryan is the stick that reinforced Ryback. That's what it is, because in Ryback's case, he is that tomato plant. He's the guy that you're cultivating. But if you don't nurture and build that character right, it will wear out. And not for nothing, that heel turn that Ryback is is on is shit. Because here's the problem with Ryback's heel turn. You didn't give Ryback enough time for the fans to fully embrace him as a face. You just did the hot shot heel turn immediately because you had to get you had to feed him to superman cena which is which is stupid because not for nothing there's plenty of guys on that card that can, can that can move up and be placeholders ryback as a face would have worked the crowd could have been so into that not for nothing you could have done ryback as a face maybe have him feud with big e langston for a little bit Right after the Mark Henry feud, that would have helped Biggie Langston, who's a better wrestler than Ryback, because the crowd would have been into that shit. No, you go, and this is what I got to deal with. Wee wee, John Cena. Wee wee, you didn't help me tie my shoes yesterday. Like like, that's the kind of shit that we got to deal with. Wii U Wii U, ambulance, ambulance, Scott Steiner style, and then feed me more, I jump out, and it's like, come on. It doesn't it doesn't work the same. Like when Ryback came out and, th- and that guitar riff hit and you just heard it the beat drop, and people be like, Yeah, fucking Ryback, he's gonna beat some motherfuckers to death, and you're like, yes. And now it's like, as soon as that riff hits, you're like, ah, turn the fucking channel. Because I sure as hell do. I'm sorry. As soon as that riff hits, it's either turn the channel, or if I'm watching it live, pause it long enough to fast forward through his fucking stupid plotting promos. You know, John, when the shield was out here beating me up, where were you? Oh, where was I? I was in the back. Getting my balls rubbed by AJ. Sorry, bro. Like, come on. Out of here. Whiny Ryback or Rybitch as Slick likes to call him. Get out of here. But other than that, Daniel Bryan made him look really good. Then, of course, John Cena versus Ricky Bobby, um, Curtis Axel. Look. Curtis Axel has a, a dozen finishers: Perfect Plex, Breaker, this, that, and the third newest finisher, the Countout. Come on, seriously. I understand that you wanna you wanna keep him strong, but these Countout victories, just I mean, look, Ryback went out there, blah blah blah, and he cost the match. I I can dig that. I understand, but um, you know, Curtis Axel, he needs a real match. Just saying. Needs a real match. And yes, thank you, Slick. I'm going to take John Cena to the medical facility. Not to the hospital where people go when they're sick and dying. No, I'm going to take John Cena to the medical facility. John Cena, I think you need some Valtrex. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Payback. We're going to have a match. And we're going to have Valtrex on a pole from the medical facility. Get out of here, just shit. Turn him face, please. Give him a manager, but otherwise, get him the fuck off my television. Anyway, that's gonna wrap up my take on Raw this week. Um, yeah, the rest of the wrestling news. So, big DVD comes out. I'm probably gonna pick this up. DVD and Blu-ray. It is going to be WCW's War Games, WCW's Most Notorious Matches, coming out on Blu-ray and DVD on June 25th. Now, War Games was probably one of my favorite WCW pay-per-views, and it is getting its just due with this box set. Check out some of these matches. The Superpowers led by... Dusty Rhodes with the Road Warriors, Nikita Koloff, and Paul Ellering against the Four Horsemen, Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, and J.J. Dillon from the Great American Bash, July 4th, 1987. Also, get this, Dusty Rhodes, the the Road Warriors, Paul Ellering, Nikita Koloff taking on the Four Horsemen, and the War Machine. From the Great American Bash, July 31st, 1987. We had the Tower of Doom match, the Road Warriors, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, Ronnie Garvin, and Jimmy Garvin. Taking on Kevin Sullivan, Mike Rotunda, Al Perez, the Russian Assassin, and Ivan Koloff. From Great American Bash, 1988. here's, Here's an awesome one, too. I remember this one. Dusty Rhodes, Lex Luger, Nikita Koloff, Steve Williams, and Paul Ellering taking on the Four Horsemen, which at the time was Ric Flair, Barry Windham, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard. That was from Great American Bash 1988. Another another classic from 1989 was the Road Warriors, Midnight Express, Dr. Death, taking on the fabulous Freebirds with Michael Hayes and the Samoan SWAT team. Insanity at its best. Another Another gem. Rick Flair, Sid Vicious, Barry Windham, and Larry Sabisco, who were the four horsemen at the time, taking on Sting, Brian Pillman, and the Steiner brothers. Insanity at its best. St- here's, a, here's another one. And these are all matches that are going to be in the set. Sting, Davey Boy Smith, Dustin Rhodes, and the Shockmaster taking on Sid Vicious, Vader, and Harlem Heat. Of course, then afterwards we get... Um, Fall Brawl from 1994, Dustin Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, and the Nasty Boys taking on Funk, Terry Funk, Arn Anderson, Bunkhouse Buck, and Colonel Rob Parker. I think the best one is this, and I know, I know, uh, uh, me personally, I think I'm buying it just to see this match. I was, I was 15 at the time for this match. The Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Lex Luger, and Sting taking on the Dungeon of Doom. Check this out, with Kamala, Zodiac, The Shark, and Ming. Come on, wh- how, how many of those names do 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 any of our listeners remember from their childhood? Kamala, Ming, Lex Luger, Randy Savage, Sting, come on, that's, that's ridiculous. Then, of course, in 1996, from 1996 on, we started getting the real crazy matches. Team NWO, which, of course, was Hogan, Hall, Nash, and a mystery partner taking on Team WCW, which was Flair, Arn Anderson, Lex Luger, and Sting. And then another one with the NWO was Team NWO Kevin Nash, Bagwell, 6 and Conan taking on Flair, Mongo, Chris Benoit, and Mr. Perfect. That was from Fall Brawl 1997. Then, of course, we had this gem, Diamond Dallas Page, Roddy Piper, and The Warrior taking on Hollywood Hogan, Stevie Ray, and Bret Hart also taking on Team Wolfpack, Kevin Nash, Sting, and Lex Luger from September 13, 1998. And then one of the last ones was War Games 2000. Sting, Booker T, Goldberg, and Chronic taking on Kevin Nash, Jeff Jarrett, Scott Steiner, and the Harris Brothers. Holy shit, were those guys jobbers and a half. That the Harris Brothers were shit. And then, of course, if you get the Blu-ray, you get some really good ones. You get um Brian Lee, Jimmy Golden, Ricky Morton, and Robert Fuller, and Robert Gibson taking on the Tasmaniac, Stan Lane and Tom Pritchard, Killer Kyle, and Kevin Sullivan. That was from Smoky Mountain Wrestling 1993. Now, if you want to get crazy, you get the ECW versions, which was Tommy Dreamer, Public Enemy, and the Pitbulls against Raven, Stevie Richards, the Eliminators, and the Heavenly Bodies from December to Dismember, 1995. This that that match. It's the first time that match has ever been released on home video. So get the Blu-ray if you want that. Also, they did the Ultimate Jeopardy Steel Cage match, which was Bubba, Devon, Mustafa taking on New Jack. Axel Rotten, and Balls Mahoney. That's from ECW Cyberslam, April 3rd, 1999. Now, again, release date, June 25th. You guys want to get in on that shit? Make it happen. If you want to pre-order it, make sure to go to the MTR Amazon shop. It helps us out. And of course, you get the reliable service of Amazon. So you can go to mytakeradio.com, click on the Amazon store tab, and you'll be able to pre-order this DVD or Blu-ray there. And yes, Val, the Eliminators were the shit. Their finisher was Total Elimination with uh, Perry Saturn and I believe it was John Cronus. Tremendous those guys were. I think I have the match where, yeah, I do have the match where Perry Saturn had a broken leg, quote-unquote, and he did a leg drop with the broken leg with a cast onto, I think it was like Shane Douglas or somebody. I gotta find it. I'll see if I can find a way to capture it and put it on YouTube. That shit was insane. So, get this. We already know TNA signed Rampage. Everybody was excited. Blah, blah, blah. We were, oh, yeah, that's right. You watched the match at my house. I remember that. So, as I was saying, TNA, they got Rampage, but they did some roster cuts, which which was to be expected, one roster cut that bugged me, obviously they got rid of announcer Todd Kenley, who was part of the three-man announce team with Taz and Mike Tenay. They decided to go back to the two-man format. But then, get this, and I shared the, his video on, on YouTube, I mean on our Facebook fan page, they released Doug Williams. Doug Williams was a former X Division TV champion and tag team champion. The guy had one of the coolest finishers, the Chaos Theory. Do yourselves a favor, look at the video on our Facebook fan page. Doug Williams gets released, but, you know, I, I still have Garrett Bischoff on my television. I'm just saying, Douglas Williams definitely needs to be picked up, whether it's Ring of Honor or WWE. But I will say this, if Douglas Williams got a contract with WWE, I would put him immediately with Wade Barrett. Immediately. And, and you could say, oh, you know, don't you're putting the Brits together. Check this out. You bring back... A faction with William Regal as the mouthpiece. Douglas Williams and Wade Barrett. Simple as that. Those two guys. Doug Williams, Wade Barrett, managed by William Regal. It would be ridiculous. It would. It would be tremendous from start to finish. Maybe if you wanted to get a little crazy and and, and use somebody, use, uh, what's-his-face, uh... The guy from 3MB, the long-haired guy. Fuck. Why can I not remember his name right now? Someone, anyone. Not um, not Heath Slater, the other guy. The chosen one. That dude. Anyway. Get, get him in there. Manage him by Regal. Make a nice little faction. I think it would work. Douglas Williams would be a tremendous asset to WWE. The guy is a great technical wrestler. He can do the high-flying. And he's pretty good on the mic, too. But, like I said, it'd be a great opportunity to get Regal back on television because Regal is tremendous. Tremendous. And he would be a great mouthpiece to help that come together. Obviously, you want to groom Barrett for the singles push, but, dude, a a tag team with with the Chaos Theory and the Bullhammer? Oh, imagine. This is how I would set up the the, the finisher for those guys. Douglas Williams grabs him for the Chaos Theory. Drew McIntyre, thank you, Slick. Douglas Williams grabs the the opponent for the chaos theory, and just as he's getting ready to do it, you know, Barrett hits him with the bull hammer, and then you get tossed into the, uh, the chaos theory. Oh, it would be ridiculous. It would be sickening to see that the bull hammer into the chaos theory. As much as people dislike Wade Barrett, that would look nasty as a finisher. But we'll see what happens. My money is on Douglas Williams probably going to Ring of Honor, but you never know. So the last bit of wrestling news I wanted to talk about is um, there's a a former WWE creative guy. His name is Court Bauer. I follow him on Twitter. Um, He has his own podcast, and he's done a couple of different podcasts. So he recently went on the Kings of Sport podcast to talk about racism and homophobia in the WWE. And it's crazy because I didn't didn't know about this until I read it on 411wrestling.com. But what happens is, He made a very valid point, and I actually talked about this with with Andrew Zarian today. Uh, With regards to racism, and I've talked about racial overcoats on the regular, but he said, and I quote, Kofi Kingston is a great example. He's a guy that really blew up, and I thought, this guy's going to climb the ladder. It's going to be automatic. And then they just took a detour. You can always say, maybe the guy got in trouble in the locker room. Maybe something came up with a contract. Maybe something came up with his attitude. Maybe it was bad booking. But if you see it across the board, Vince was considering Mark Henry to be the guy that ended The Undertaker's streak at WrestleMania 22. We see where that went. They do certainly hire a lot of African Americans and they want to hire more Latinos. It's just they aren't the guys that they want to put in those positions. The ratio of success speaks for itself. Now, think about this. And this is, this is an interesting observation. When you think back to African-American champions or champions of color, you're going to think of Booker T. You're going to think Ron Simmons. You're going to think Mark Henry. You're going to think all these guys. Here's the interesting fact that you may not have noticed. What title did all of those guys hold? It wasn't the WWE champion it wasn't the the, the uh, WWE Championship. It was the World Heavyweight Title. Now the reason I say that is because the World Heavyweight Title is pretty much the ice the, the the unofficial IC title of the WWE. And what I'm saying is that the lineage of that belt it doesn't even matter because it's secondary. I ha- I can't really and and yeah you can say oh the Rock held the WWE title, and he's African-American. Yeah, but you know what? He is also lighter than Booker T. I'm just saying. Not that that's a factor, but it's an interesting argument that he brings up because when you look at it, I'm like, you know, thinking back at all the guys that won the belt, it's like Alberto Del Rio is a minority. What belt does he have? World Heavyweight Championship. You know? And that's what I'm saying it's It's interesting that 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 was a unique argument and this guy he worked for creative. so for him to say that it it really poses an interesting thing so I when when I read that earlier today, I was like, you know what let me let me do a little homework so I dug around and I'm like, the majority of of minorities that have won major titles have all been the big gold belt. you know. Well, yeah, The Rock is Samoan, but his father, Rocky Johnson, is African American. That's what I'm saying. Like, what I'm what I'm looking at it, it's like, you, no, I mean, Slick, you make a valid point, but it's like, well, The Rock, The Rock won the belt, but it's true. It's like, yeah, The Rock won the belt, but The Rock was also third generation, and he was also lighter. You know what I mean? Like, think about this. TNA, when TNA was. Doing the weekly shows in, in Tennessee. The their, their one of their first champions was our truth, Ron Killings. Ron Killings at the time was a tremendous heel in TNA, and he won the belt in TNA. It was ridiculous. You know? I Strider brings up a great argument. He Strider uses this, and again, this is this isn't race baiting or anything. It's just a, a, a an information, you know, from an information standpoint. Strider says, you know, white women say they would never date Omar Epps or Denzel or Denzel Washington, but they would date Shamar Moore and The Rock. And then it goes, they don't go full Negro, never go full Negro. They prefer Negro light, and it and it's an interesting argument that Strider makes. Strider Strider, one of our listeners, he's he's African American, but I'm just saying. It's an interesting argument because when you look at it, think about it. Eddie Guerrero won the belt. He was another guy. Rey Mysterio won the belt. But look at the belt that they won. It wasn't the WWE championship. And again, not to say not to to say that the that the belt is inferior, the big gold belt, because it's not. The big gold belt has a tremendous history. But it's easier to, to, to entertain putting the big gold belt on, on those markets. Like, think about this. Think about the logic of putting the belt on Alberto Del Rio. You're like, hey, we're going to put the belt on Alberto Del Rio, not only because he's a good, a decent wrestler, but because we want to reach the Latino audience. And Slick Slick makes a, a good point. He says, you know, the belt is viewed as inferior because it was a WCW belt. It represents a dead company. Uh, another in, definitely another interesting way to look at it but look at it like like from this standpoint all the minorities get the big gold belt your wwe champions are for all intents and purposes the main eventers and you know not again i'm not saying it from for, to race bait because i don't care i'm a spick and i approve this message i am brown for those of you that are that are new to 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 mtr i am 100 percent brown don't let the 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 Richard Butler, first name, last name, fool you because yo hablo espanol. Y muy bien que lo hablo también. You know? The fact is that, you know, it's just a a very interesting dynamic that he brings up. He also brought up the subject of, of homophobia, which is interesting as well because, you know, we make all the Pat Patterson jokes and whatever because it's a running gag. But it's interesting too because... He said, and I quote, Vince is 70. It doesn't mean that's an excuse or anything. He's got a young daughter in her mid-30s, she's been on Twitter openly supporting gay marriage, yet she runs a division a different a different way where I've heard my fair share of homophobic slurs about writers and stuff, especially LA writers who tend to be a little bit more dramatic. And he, he cited, look at look at this fucking queer here." He was straight or whatever. It didn't matter, but it was tolerated with laughter. So very interesting dynamic, but you also got to look at it from the standpoint of you take a company like WWE. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's testosterone driven. It's very, you know, rah, I'm a big dude, you know, that kind of a, of a thing. Vince McMahon is seventy years old. I guarantee you Vince McMahon has in his lifetime, Dropped an N bomb, called, called you know said something homophobic in some capacity. Um, I guarantee you it's happened, but that's because and and you know we myself and Andrew Zarian were talking about it. Vince is a territory guy, black, white, south, you know southern territories. That, that's how it was. Like it's, it, I guarantee you that the dynamic of the company itself will change more so when Vince is out of the picture. And I say that because you got to look at it from, from the standpoint that triple H, you know, Seamus is, is a triple H guy. Don't let his ghostly white skin fool you. You know, he, he is Irish, you know, he's Irish American or no, no, he is Irish. He's straight Irish, I believe. But the fact is that you're starting to see a bigger, a bigger dynamic of different ethnicities on display. But when it comes to titles, when it comes to titles, to, to taking the company to the next step, it's very, very difficult to 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 visualize a WWE champion that isn't a hand picked white guy, my excluding the rock. And Batista to a degree, because Batista, you know, he's Filipino also. But still. You know? I just I just wanna Acknowledge that because, you know, Court Bauer poses some very, very interesting questions, especially when you look at guys like I said, you know, Kofi Kingston, which is a great example. Mark Henry, who's another 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 guy who, you know, he, he's he's been there for a while. R-Truth. Think about Our truth R-Truth is the best example. Shucking and jiving, coming out there. Yes, little Jimmy. Yeah. You know, I li- this is a guy who was a champion in another organization, and that's not to say that TNA was inferior for choosing him as champion. It was because his body of work at the time was completely different. Now, look at this. They I read that Prince Nana from Ring of Honor um did a tryout with WWE. Now, that's a guy who is he, he's very he wears the racial overcoat as as his as his gimmick. If they brung him in and made him Kofi Kingston's manager, I guarantee you Kofi Kingston would get the belt because I think that in Kofi Kingston's case, it's not so much the subject of race. It's the subject of connecting with the audience differently. And I say this because look at Shelton Benjamin and Kofi Kingston, two perfect examples. Both guys are practically the same. Both guys incredibly athletic, Super gifted. Their their one weakness, their glaring weakness, mic work. Now, of course, you get, you got Thea Vidal in, and she was with, with Shelton Benjamin, and that started taking him to that next level, but it was a question of, are we going to make this guy champion? Kofi Kingston is in that same, same bracket, in the sense that, yeah, you can make Kofi Kingston champion, but with a big gold belt. He can't be, you know, your WWE champion because that would involve more mic work. You know what I'm saying? would involve... Like, that's that's how I see it. You take the guys that are slightly weaker but have every other aspect of the game on lock and you give them the belt. And that's what I'm saying. Like, look at Del Rio. Del Rio, he has the accent, Buenas Tardes, you know, this, that, and the third. But he has the, 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 the connection with the Latino audience. So... Let's put the big gold belt on him. That's what we're going to do. Again, very, very interesting thing that was posed by court Bauer. We'll see if this, if that changes, I really would like to, to not feed that, that rationale, but it does, it does kind of jump out a little bit. I'm sorry. It does. So, Just very interesting stuff, to say the least. If you want to get more information on that interview, like I said, look up the Kings of Sport podcast, and um, you'll be able to check that interview out in its entirety. Um, I may put a link for that in the show notes, and you guys can check that out. All right, so that's actually going to wrap up wrestling for this week. Um, I'm going to grab a swig of water, and we are going to go into some gaming news. So let's open things up with Xbox One. I know Slick is probably gonna call in because he's gonna have some stuff he's gonna wanna discuss, but Xbox One is pretty much back in the news this week because for for all let's look at it like this the announcement, the Xbox announcement went down. Everybody was like, yo man, Xbox is bullshit now. And meh and this system is stupid. and And then it was like oh by the way well that stuff you heard about it's not all true it'll be all right okay man xbox all right and then this week it was like the floodgates of bullshit were unleashed right before e3 where everybody's just like yo man fuck xbox man playstation 4 for life and it's like listen Everybody's extolling the virtues of PlayStation 4. Not to say that they that they have no reason to. But think about this. PlayStation 4 is all well and good because we got some of the details. We didn't get all of the details. Who's to say that E3 won't come and Sony would drop a bomb where people would be like, What the fuck, man? And they're going to be all pissed off. It can happen. It can. It can. So... Rather than say, this system sucks, that system sucks, wait and see. Me, personally, do I think that that Microsoft fucked up? Yes. Will I still buy an Xbox One? Probably. Will my decision be influenced by PlayStation 4's offerings? To a degree. And I will tell you why. As a gamer, especially if gaming is a lifestyle and a hobby, you're gonna buy... All the systems, whether you buy them new, used, at launch, from a crackhead, from the trunk of a car, it doesn't matter. You, you're you going to buy them all. Whether whether you bought the Wii U at launch, or you're going to wait to buy the Wii U from Craigslist, or you're going to wait to see if you get the Wii U in a custody dispute with your ex-wife, you're going to get it. It's just the way shit works, especially if it's if it's a lifestyle. If it's a hobby that you that you live and breathe myself, yes, I'm a gamer, 100%. But will I have to buy all the systems? Absolutely, because this is kind of still my job. So it has to happen. Now, in the Wii U's case and in Nintendo's case, I'll tell you why I didn't buy a Wii U. I didn't buy a Wii U for three reasons. I had a GameCube. I had a lot of games for it. I loved it. The GameCube WaveBird controller was one of my favorite accessories to use. With the Game Boy Advance player that would be attached underneath. Played countless hours of games. I mean, one of my favorites, Eternal Darkness. Tremendous. Shutting off your TV, lowering your volume, freaking you the fuck out. It was good times. Then, alright, we're gonna drop the Wii on you. You got the Wii Mote, you got the Wii Scale, you got this, you got that. Where are all the games? Oh yeah, those? Chicken Shoot, um Iron Chef America. Those were the games that we'd see all the time. Donkey Kong Country, pfft, End of the Year, Mario pfft, probably in October. That and, and I ended up getting it. What by the time I sold the Wii, I had Wii Fit, Wii Sports Resort, Mario Galaxy, a couple of GameCube games, and um uh, yeah. Oh, and Tatsunoko versus Capcom. That was it. That was it. When I when it was all said and done. So, when the Wii U came out, I was like, eh, maybe I'll go buy it, maybe I won't. And I said, you know what? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You're not catching me a third time. Like Val said, Val said, I'm waiting for the Wii U to be $99. Yup. Sucks. But seriously, if you told me, yo, that we use $99, I'd buy that shit tomorrow when I get paid. Well, today, I should say. Seriously. Because it, it, that that's the nugget, you know, where if you spend $100 and you get to play, you know, three or four f- first-party titles, you know, you kind of get your money's worth. No biggie. But spending $350 and maybe buying two games at best? Not so much. And the Virtual Console also. Like, you bought games on the Virtual Console on the Wii, and you're going to play them on the Wii U. It's like, you're, you're, you're in the endless cycle of rebuying old shit. Like, the only reason you're extending the shelf life of a system is to play old stuff. Which is which is sad, to say the least. Anyway, I'm going to bring Slick on because I want him to, to help me kind of break apart this information a little bit. And um, looking at the clock... Just a reminder for those of you that are listening, um, our Blog Talk radio feed runs until 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I'm sure an English woman will come on air and yell at me, telling me how much show time I have left, but the show will continue on Mixler and GFQ, so just uh, keep your dials tuned there for that. Figured I'd let you guys know just in case to keep you guys in the loop. Anyway, let me bring Slick in because we got quite a bit to discuss. Slick, what's up, buddy? What's up? Well, Xbox decided to shoot themselves in the foot, and here's why. So, on their website, it said the following. With Xbox One, you can game offline for up to 24 hours on your primary console, or one hour if you're logged onto a separate console accessing your library. Offline gaming is not possible after these pre-described times until you re-establish a connection but you can still watch live TV and enjoy Blu-ray and DVD movies at Xbox. We've always believed in a connected world of games and entertainment with Xbox one. We are planning for a connected future. We can't wait to show you what's to come. I just read you that statement. Now, originally there was a big firestorm because, Oh, Xbox doesn't need to be connected to the internet all the time. I just read you this statement from Microsoft. What does that say? In layman's terms.
1: It says it needs to be connected once a day. Thank you. Which, even for a lot of hardcore gamers, is kind of saying it always needs to be connected because... Yep. (laughs) When you go back to what you said earlier, that you have all the consoles, let's say, you know, take myself right now. I'm playing... Remember me, but I'm playing it on the PlayStation Three. If I wasn't also playing um, Dead Island Riptide with one of my friends, I might not turn on my 360 for a couple of days. There you go. And even though I am playing it with, you know, with some friends on the 360. I still don't turn on my 360 every day.
0: There you go. See so that?
1: Now I gotta make an effort to remember to turn on this fucking giant cable box once a day
0: uh-huh. so that
1: the Kinect can look at me. Mm hmm. And the one thing that, that really kinda made me say, what the fuck, your next statement? Because I had heard it earlier today. Yep. Um, Primary console. Mm-hmm. What, you think I'm buying three Xboxes?
0: Yeah, but no. This is the the crazy part. If you if I go to your house and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna play on on, on your on your Xbox with some of my games, I can now only gotta be online
1: every once an hour.
0: Yes. What if what if I don't wanna put the console online because maybe you're in another room streaming something? What if you're torrenting a couple of files or whatever you're doing and I don't wanna I don't wanna interfere with the with with, with, with your downloads by having the console online? That means that I have to stop what I'm doing an hour in to plug the console in. You see this shit? And this is the shit that irks me. And it, and it doesn't irk me because, oh, you know, you guys should have known this. No, it's, what bothers me is that when the guy made the statement about the system having to be connected or not, and that guy that got himself fired, remember that? And he was like, well, you know, maybe you guys all need to have internet. That's what you're basically telling everyone. Yep. It's like it's like I understand, you know, the console's got to be connected for a 24 hours whatever, but you're ba- you just told everyone you need internet in your house for this console. Period. Period. I know a couple of parents I, think of a... Go I was going to say, I know a couple of parents that that I know personally that have bought Xboxes for their kids and they say, I, I tell them, hey, did you guys get Xbox Live? Oh, my boss is a great example. He goes, yeah, they go on Xbox Live and play with friends, but, you know, that's the only reason, and, and, and we monitor that. Most times we don't connect the console for them to go on live because, you know, they may get into some games with some people that aren't in their crowd, etc., etc. Right then and there, parents doing the right thing are going to get penalized the same way. Because think about it, what if you buy the console for your kid, for whatever, as a Christmas gift or whatever, but you don't want the console on the internet because you don't want to pay for the Xbox Live for your kid? What happens then?
1: Apparently it will stop working.
0: You know, what if you're you know, a parent on fixed income, or whatever, and you can't afford to pay the, the $8 a month, or the $60 prepaid card, or whatever, and you just buy the console for your kid because you scrimped and saved? What happens then?
1: What happens if you live in an area where you can't get a decent internet connection?
0: Well, you can just watch Blu-ray and live TV. There you go. That's what I'm saying. Oh, but it gets better. GameStop put out a very interesting statement on their, on their website. You can look for it if you're a Power Up Rewards member. And it says Xbox One, and it's a, it's a flyer. And it says, by the way, you want disc or digital on the same day, you'll be able to buy disc based games at traditional retailers or online through Xbox Live on the day of release. This will continue to be a great way to install your games quickly. This is all a one sheet that GameStop has access your entire games library from any Xbox One. No disc required. After signing in and installing, you can play any one of your games from any Xbox One because a digital copy of your game is stored on your console and in the cloud. So, for example, while you're logged in at your friend's house, you can play your games.
1: There's a limitation to that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because for me to be able to come to your house and play my Xbox game...
0: Go ahead, I'm waiting.
1: We must be friends on Xbox Live. Uh-huh. Thank Two, you, Slick. We must have been friends on Xbox Live for at least 30 days.
0: Yep. Thank you.
1: So, like, let's say you and I weren't friends and we just happened to meet. We're like, hey, I got Xbox One. Hey, I got Xbox One. Okay, add me.
0: Let's add build bunk you. beds.
1: In I ain't playing shit.
0: Did we just become friends? Yep. <laughs> no, nothing. Step brothers reference.
1: So next month.
0: Ah, you missed the Stepbrothers reference. I'm sad. Oh shit! I, I, I it. <laughs> you got Xbox One. I got Xbox One. Did we just become friends? Yep. <laughs> I guess you were gonna
1: you were gonna put your balls on my drum set.
0: That's it. Dude, you're 100% right. It's, it's insane, but here here's, it gets better than that. Oh, share, yes, share access to your games with everyone inside your home. Your friends and family, your guests and acquaintances get unlimited access to all your games. Anyone can play the your games. Uh huh. Anyone can play your games on, their, on your console, regardless of whether you're logged in or their relationship to you. Give your family access to your entire game library at all, anytime, anywhere. Yeah. And it gets better. Go ahead, hit them with it.
1: Because let's say I got Gears of War 15 for the Xbox One. Right. And I say, this game is great. Rich, you gotta play it. Yep. Okay, can I borrow it? No, you can't borrow it. I can give it to you, though. Mm-hmm. So now that game comes off of my account. It goes over to her account. And guess what? I did give it to him because he can't give it back. He also can't give it to anyone else. You can give it to someone else once.
0: Oh. And that's it. Well, here's, here, here's a mind fuck and a half, which I'm sure is just going to make people's heads spontaneously combust. Xbox One will allow the sale of used games at participating retailers, but only if the publisher allows it. Publishers being very people-focused oppose most fiercely to used video game sales. These restrictions on how you can give or loan your games away will vary. What's more, lending won't be available at launch, with Microsoft still exploring the possibilities with their partners.
1: And anybody who's looking for a little bit of clarification on that, it means you won't be selling that Madden. There you go. EA don't like GameStop.
0: Thank you. So that means that Madden game that you may have played online for a month that you may want to sell, EA may say, hey, you're not allowed to sell that to GameStop. Oh, that's good. So basically I just paid sixty dollars for a coaster. Thanks. It's it's insanity. Oh, and the other thing is, allegedly, from what I've been reading on Twitter, there are not their Xbox is not doing one on one interviews with the press. With the gaming press at E three. Oh,
1: he's better than that.
0: Yep, go ahead. And of
1: course, these are these are rumors.
0: Oh, uh, oh yeah. Well,
1: usually Microsoft rumors are pretty good. 150 percent true. Microsoft is throwing money at developers for E3 so that they do not show their software running on PlayStation Four models. Yep. I'm like, that's really really dirty pool.
0: Yes, sir. That's what. I'm... not only
1: does that not dissuade me from wanting a PS4, unless what you said earlier, Sony does some really stupid bullshit, yep. that makes me want a PS4 even more.
0: Bingo. See that shit? And no, I mean, Val, Val you know, that's not something new. And, and Val, you're right. But what gets me is that basically they're telling you, hey... You know, you bought this game. It's great. It's yours. But we're going to dictate what you do with the game when you're done with the game. And that's the thing that ruffles so many feathers. It's like, yo, I gave you my money. I Put it like this. I walked into GameStop. I bought the game. I walked out. If I decide I want to run over the game with my car, I can do that because it's mine. That's what gets me like, yo, you're telling me what I can and can't do with the shit I bought. Why don't you just make it a fucking subscription and allow you to pick and choose what games you download every month? Hey, pay Xbox live, you know, six, you know, $150 a year and you can download and play up to a hundred games, new or old titles. Fuck. Why don't you just do that? I don't know, man. It, it's insanity. It's still a wait and
1: see game, but really, Xbox is is really. I mean, Microsoft is really so far alienating. Like I said last week, they they alienating the people that would be there day one to buy their console.
0: Bingo. It's 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 a crazy it's a crazy state of affairs. But um, the console will definitely sell
1: well. There's no doubt about that. That's right. They're alienating the people that would stand online that first night to be there that first day, and get and get it.
0: I agree, ten thousand percent. So here here's a a, an interesting story. Um, They interview um IGN interviewed Joe Madera about uh, Darksiders of all things. And he shed some light on Darksiders 3, and it kind of bummed me out, obviously. Um, He was saying in the interview that Darksiders 3 was going to have cooperative multiplayer and allow you to play as the final two horsemen of the apocalypse. And he said, it was always our hope to do a full four-player co-op game with all four horsemen playable. It's possible we could have pulled it off. I would have liked to introduce Fury and Strife. I know many fans feel robbed that they never got to play as the last two horsemen. The storyline that was considered was to have the horsemen battle Lucifer in hell as they tried to regain their freedom. And then, you know, of course, they sold the IP to Nordic and they asked him how he felt about it. He said, I'm not sure how I feel about the Nordic purchase. To be honest, I have sort of a wait and see attitude about it, as I'm sure many people do. I'm not sure if I'd want to get involved with it or not. Crazy shit. Huh? They wanted to do four player co-op, because remember, we talked about that with those guys on air.
1: And four-player co-op
0: would have worked well with the new consoles. Yep. There you have it. So, I did share this on the site and on the fan page, and I want to get your take on it because Scorpion is going to be the newest DLC character for Injustice Gods Among Us, and he was fully redesigned from the ground up by Jim Lee. The design is really cool. The inclusion of Scorpion, though, in Injustice, not so much
1: doesn't make
0: sense. Thank you. I understand, you know, Netherrealm Mortal Kombat, we got it. But come on, really? You you mean well, to tell me in DC's impressive roster of characters, you couldn't give me like give me Superboy Prime or Cyborg Superman if you want to get fucking, you know, if you want to, you know, get Superman out there more or even make that a skin for a regular Superman? Or, you know, give me the penguin. Give me something else, you know? Well,
1: if you want a ninja that wears a mask, how about you throw in Cheshire?
0: Yep, throw in Cheshire or Katana from, uh, what's it called? Suicide Squad.
1: I mean, if you throw in Cheshire, you get, you get the Young Justice crowd.
0: That's right.
1: But no, we're going to put in Scorpion because, you know, we didn't just recently make a game called Mortal Kombat versus DC.
0: No, we didn't do that. Recently? No, you're kidding. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it is. It's like, okay, yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. Jim Lee did a tremendous design. If I were Mortal Kombat, if I were NetherRealm, I'd say Jim Lee for the next Mortal Kombat, you're designing all our characters. 'Cause he does look awesome as shit. You know, they made the um the spear, it looks like a scorpion's tail.
1: And that is cool. But again
0: Wrong game. <laughs> been
1: there done that.
0: Yep. Wrong game, ladies and gentlemen. But it's crazy because, you know, it's four hundred points probably. I mean, if you get the um the season pass, it's fifteen bucks for the season pass, I think you get you you get five downloads plus all the costumes and shit. I mean, so far Lobo, Batgirl, um, Scorpion, and if you watch the Scorpion trailer, it looks like they kind of made it seem like Martian Manhunter was gonna be the next guy. Which I'm sure you might be you might be okay with it. John Jones is an awesome character,
1: but if you give him all of his abilities, then he's sickly overpowered. True. Could a dude can turn intangible. It's true. So every time you throw a freaking projectile at him, oops, you missed me. Oops.
0: Huh? The way I see it's it the like way re-
1: it's reverse spamming.
0: <laughs> I would have I would have you know, I would have taken a couple of characters i would have taken cheetah for wonder woman i would have taken um you know a man bat something you know something different outside of the box than the same typical rogues that we get i mean i give them points for solomon grundy doomsday was inevitable it, you know black adam is cool but it's like scorpion really Ugh. makes me it makes me write, wanna write a column of you know 10 characters I would have included other than Scorpion. (laughs) I may just give that to myself as a homework assignment. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, you know, obviously I could write more than 10, but 10 characters I would have made a DLC other than Scorpion. Because I'm curious. Well, I found... I want to know who who
1: decided that that was a good idea.
0: Probably NetherRealm, dude. They were like, "All right, we got to throw a Mortal Kombat guy in there." These are the same guys that decided we're just going to put Freddy Krueger in Mortal Kombat because we can. Instead of saying, "Hey, you know what? Let's license all these characters and make a horror icon fighting game and release it on Xbox Live for twelve hundred points and make money," release it for like Halloween, dude. I'd buy that shit. I'd buy that shit. Imagine you get a Nether realms makes a game. Releases it on Xbox Live and PSN around Halloween. You get, you know, Jason, Michael Myers, Leatherface, Chucky, Pinhead. You know, couple a couple of the decent ones. Maybe some gremlins or some ghoulies or something in there. Have a little fun with that. 1,200 points. And then you could just, hey, have fun with that. Throw Ash in there. You don't think that shit wouldn't have made money for 1,200 points as an as a, as a Xbox Live title.
1: Dude, we, every week we have discussions like this. The bottom line is
0: these companies don't use common sense. It's like, I understand, you know, you want to kind of get a Mortal Kombat guy in there, but trust me, nobody gives a shit. No, If they didn't want to include any Mortal Kombat characters, there'd probably be, on on one hand, maybe five guys be like, no, maybe you should have made Sub-Zero. like could... Shut up. Get out of here. But that's, that's the, that's the issue. The issue is that NetherRealm is, is so dependent on Mortal Kombat that they have no faith in the other franchises that they're doing. Like, you don't believe in injustice enough that you can pluck out of the huge character of, a roster of DC heroes and villains to, to make one entertaining enough for DLC. You mean to tell me that that was difficult to accomplish? You're fucking insane!
1: Well, this is probably what actually happened, and I'm actually giving the company a bit of a pass. Okay. They probably got a bunch of emails saying, why don't you put such and such in there for Mortal Kombat? Okay. And and even though it doesn't make any sense, they probably got enough dumbasses asking for Scorpion or anybody from Mortal Kombat that they said, you know, we got to put Scorpion in there.
0: Yeah. It's just it's just so out of place for me. Only because this game is dedicated to the to the DC franchise and the DC franchise. Even though we you know hardcore Marvel fans shit on the DC product, there are some serviceable, solid characters in there that you can do something with. That's what that's what that's what fucking burns me. That there's characters in there you could really work with. Like you mean to tell me you couldn't put Starfire in there or Beast Boy? or Ravager, or Cheshire, or Red Arrow, or Desad, or Steppenwolf, or Darkseid, Guy Gardner. Come on, really? You couldn't put, um, you know, the Red Lantern? Dude, are Lam- gonna put fucking Plastic Man in there. Oh, dude, I, I would have bought that game to play as Plastic Man. <laughs> I'm not even lying. Plastic Man was my shit as a kid with his wife running around. Oh, players. Come on. That was the shit. I would, hey,
1: what was the Buddy's
0: name? Oh, dude. I, oh, someone help me with that. <laughs> oh, Wikipedia, well, that shit. Oh, yeah, but that's what I mean. You know, like, like, if you would have said, hey, we're going to include Plastic Man in there. You, I guarantee you, people would have been like, man, that's fucking cool. Because that's thinking outside of the box. Uh, and new people would have been like, who the fuck is Plastic Man? And again, another fresh character you could just kind of put out there. And then, if
1: really was really dying to have the Mortal Kombat feel, you could have had fucking baby
0: plans do the freaking toasting move, just pop up on the screen. Yep. That's it. That's exactly it. Or, you could have made, you know, Martian Manhunter... Transform into like a Mortal Kombat character for one special, you know? Yeah, that that would be acceptable. Like that, like that's okay. But no, but we could beat that up to to death. We we can dedicate a show to that. But I think I am gonna put together a, a list of characters I would have rather seen than Scorpion. Anyway, so for those of you that are on PlayStation Plus, which uh, is is a pretty solid investment. If you are a PS Plus member, you get Deus Ex Human Revolution free. Also, you're going to get Saints Row the Third later this month, um, Machinarium, Orc Attack, and Virtue's Last Reward will all be free. Also, if you are looking for any games with any deep discounts, they're going to give discounts to Grid 2, Portal 2, and the In Motion DLC. But. If there's any games that are on your radar that you haven't picked up that are going to be removed, they are the following Sleeping Dogs, which has already been removed, Closure, Ratchet and Clank All for One, Infamous 2, and Little Big Planet 2. Soul Calibur Broken Destiny, and Blaze Blue Continuum Shift are all being removed. Damn, people really.
1: Get a lot of options with um yeah, dude. Plus, but they gotta they gotta jump on it instead.
0: Well, you know what i what I what I figured out is a good gimmick, and and I thank you for it. Just buying the cards already in advance, and just like doing it that way.
1: But the only thing is that for some reason, at least with my experience, it's not easy to find PlayStation cards.
0: I've only found them in Best Buy, and in Target. GameStop doesn't really stock them often, but Target and and Best Buy do more often than not. And it's usually the 1799 3-month card, not the year one.
1: But it's not just that like just like say you just want to buy a game. Like you don't have PlayStation Plus, you're not going to get it. You want to buy a game, you don't want to use a credit card. It's hard to find the points cards too.
0: Oh yeah, the points cards definitely Definitely a point. The points cards are, are, they're, they're unicorn territory. (laughs) They really are. It's like, it's like, Oh, that Nah, we ain't got time for that. But, um, you know, those are, those of you that are on PS plus, you guys are getting taken care of. Now, the big news, the news that should bring this show to a screeching halt is plants versus zombies Two. get your phone ready july 18th it drops on the iphone ipad and ipod touch and i'm sure android will follow and it will be free to play
1: that's weird
0: yep obviously they're gonna get you with the upgrades like they do with most of the other games hey buy this buy this exploding zucchini for 50 cents i'm
1: surprised they haven't announced a a pc version
0: oh you know that shit is coming it is, it'll definitely happen, but they're figuring, you know, do it on the 18th, hit everybody on, on the mobile side, on the Apple side especially, which leads me to believe that whatever announcement is happening next week for WWDC is going to either be, you know, new iPads or new iPod Touches, that, or and, you know, possibly maybe some sort of an iPhone announcement, because, you know, why all of a sudden just drop all that at once on, on the Apple side?
1: Yeah, you know you got to get that iPhone 5s out before the end of the year Oh, you know that. The 5 only came out last year.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. If you're a fan of the you fable,
1: make those people that drop a couple of hundred bucks on the 5, you know, say fuck, now I got to buy the 5s.
0: Yeah, dude, but you know what? I the, the the thing with I with the iPhone is and I and I learned this recently it's like the enhancements are mostly on the software side unless you want a better camera. Like if you're a person that takes a lot of photos, like my wife got the iPhone 5. because She switched from Android back to the iPhone because we're on T-Mobile. She got it. Dude, for me, for what she does, listens to music, takes photos, and plays Candy Crush. You know, perfect, whatever. Like, like we were talking about this off air. If you're a person that tweaks their phone, customizes their phone you know, it does all these different dashboards and icons and shit, then, then Android is all you. But for her, it's fine. And if they announce the, the 5S, she'll probably be like, yeah, hey, I'll wait. You know, like, the, the people that want the phones are usually the guys like like us that are just like, yo, man, I can't, I can't wait. I need it. I need it. Just how it is. Yeah, but he-
1: if I were an iPhone enthusiast, I wouldn't jump on like the F of anything. I just wait for the
0: next one. Yep. I know so, I I know a couple of people that do that. They'll skip the middle the middle gen. They'll only upgrade, you know, every two years. Exactly. To get that. Or they or they'll accidentally, you know, in quotes, drop their phone. <laughs> about a year about a year and a half in and they'll be like oh we don't have that model anymore but you know cuz that i'll be i'll be 100% honest and I, you know I'm going off track here for a second i bought a, an iPod at the apple store no i bought it in best buy went to the gym dropped an 80 pounds dumbbell on it went back to the apple store the guy pu- plugged it in and he goes damn you bought this iPod like a month ago did you register it yet And I'm like, you know what, dude, I really didn't get a chance to because I just use it in the gym. And he and I lied to the guy. I said to the guy that it was in my carry on bag and they threw it on the belt during the security check. If I would have told him I dropped a dumbbell on it, dude, he would have been like, fuck you. But you know what he did? He went in the back, came out with a box, gave me an iPod and told me to have a nice day. I kid you not.
1: Whatever
0: works. If I'm lying, let me die on air within the next five minutes. Seriously, the guy was like, "Hold on a second. because he pulled it up. He's like, "Oh, you, you know, the skew says shows you bought it like, like, like the beginning of the month." So he went in the back and he was like, "Here you go." I'm like, "That's it." He's like, "Yep, that's it." I'm like, uh, "Okay." Like that's the shit. Like, like you can you you know we give Apple a lot of shit, and you know don't get me wrong, they charge you an arm and a fucking leg. And, you know, ever since Steve Jobs died, things got, have gotten a little weird out there. But you know what, dude? Like, sometimes from a customer service standpoint, they do the right thing. Agreed. You know, those guys, you walk in there, it's like, hey, I dropped my MacBook into some hydrochloric acid. I'm sorry. And they'll be like, eh, you know, you give us 150 bucks, we could give you a, a newer one. Awesome. <laughs> you know, like, that's the kind of shit you got to deal with. Anyway,
1: see how well Microsoft treats their customers in a couple
0: of months. Yeah, right. So, coming soon, actually, of all places, reported that Diablo Three is going to debut on PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty on September Third. Retailers allegedly are taking pre-orders for the console versions of the game, which will be sold at a suggested retail price of fifty nine ninety nine. The console versions have been tailored for gamepad action with a new camera perspective that puts the hero in the front. There is an all-new user interface and intuitive control system. Those who pre-order the game will get an exclusive in-game item, the Infernal Helm, which gives an experience point boost to whoever wears it, helping the progression of the character in the game, and also other, character, other retailers will have their own limited edition pre-order bonuses. Obviously, Diablo 3 was originally released on Windows and Mac May 15th in 2012. It became within 24 hours the fastest selling PC game of all time. As of December 31st of last year, it has sold over 12 million copies worldwide. Now, with this said, do you think that the Diablo that the Diablo 3 franchise or the Diablo franchise as a whole is going to gain a brand new following with console with console owners? No. I mean it will sell,
1: but It's not going to be anything special, and honestly, you know, just the fact that that um, Blizzard is going to charge full price for it, and literally, like a month or two before new consoles come out, that's like you know just cocksmacking people in the face. This is true. I I mean, any game coming out on consoles in September for PS3 and 360 should cost fifty nine ninety nine. Granted, there are going to be titles that do. I mean, Grand Theft Auto, I know, we, we already know, because I, I mean, I put out an article on it, but I mean, that would, would be somewhat of an exception, because at least that's a brand new game. But something that's a, a re-release of something that's over a year old, you're going to charge $60 for it, when the original
0: Only cost people $49.99. Sir, that is true. I mean, the way I see it is, I've never played... I played Diablo 2 on PC years ago. Because a guy at my job found a disc in a drawer and gave it to me. He's like, hey man, you want this? And I was like, alright, and I installed it. He gave me that, and I think it was City of Heroes. And I played it on my PC, and I was like, alright, this is kind of badass. And I haven't touched I haven't touched the PC game in in ages. I definitely give Diablo a a shot, but it is true. Like sixty bucks for that on the cusp of of new consoles, yeah, a little a little on the up and up. But you know what will happen in that case? I'll probably wait two weeks or a month, and you know they'll put it on sale or they'll put it on a Black Friday deal, and that'll be that. And I'll get it then. <laughs> it's like.
1: Even, you know, even Grand Theft Auto Five. I'm like, releasing it that close? Unless you have zero plans of making a PS4, an Xbox One version, which, you know, that ain't going to happen. Well, it shouldn't cost full price. I mean, if I wasn't such a junkie for that game, I'd literally wait till I got my PS4 to play it.
0: Makes sense. But
1: you and I both know
0: that ain't happened. Nah. So the other thing I saw on Coming Soon was that coming of all places, like I said, they got the, the listing of Square Enix's E3 launch, uh, it's E3 lineup, um, PC, console, and mobile games. So on, on the console and PC side, they're going to show a Final Fantasy fourteen, a Realm Reborn, obviously on the PlayStation 3 and Windows. Um, supposedly it's going to be released August 27th. Then they showed Thief, Murdered Soul Suspect, Lightning Returns Final Fantasy XIII. Which is going to be released on the 360 and PlayStation 3. But here's the release date. February 11th, 2014.
1: Jesus.
0: Yeah. Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 Remix. Coming out on the PlayStation 3, available September 10th. That I may play, because I haven't played a Kingdom Hearts game in ages. Deus Ex Human Revolution, Director's Cut. That'll be out at some point in 2013. Final Fantasy X and X2 HD Remaster. PlayStation 3, also in 2013 at some point. So here's a question. You remaster Final Fantasy X and X-2, but... You don't remaster Final Fantasy 7. <laughs> this is the shit
1: I'm but, talking but about. There's also a rumor that Square Enix is going to remake Final Fantasy 6 for the Wii U.
0: Oh, come on. You're joking, <laughs> right? <Final Fantasy. laughs> I, I, it's like It's like, and you know what the crazy thing is? I have the original disc of Final Fantasy VII, and I said to myself, "You know, I should maybe throw this in my launch PS3 and stream it." And I was like, "You know what? I would like for for fucking Sony to remaster this shit." How is it that I'm gonna play remastered Ducktales at 33 years old, and I can't play a remastered Final Fantasy VII? How is this possible?
1: Because
0: Square Enix hates is me like the Easter Bunny. Enoch hates you. Dude, they, seriously, you give me Final Fantasy 14, 13, MMO, 10, that that game. You give me you give me 14, 13, 10 and 10-2, but you don't, but you don't give me 7. You give me a remix of Kingdom Hearts, but you don't give me Final Fantasy 7. Come on, man. And the only way that
1: the the X collection is going to really make money as if it's the um i guess like the European version which there was a there was a difference between that and the the version originally released to the u s and like they said it was there was more content and it was like it was harder, which that would appeal to me because Final Fantasy X was the easiest of the Final Fantasy games. The main monster, Sin, I'd beat in like two minutes. Frickin', I remember going into the dungeon that had Ultimate Weapon, which, you know, Final Fantasy fans know is like one of the baddest monsters in the game. He hit Waka, and Waka had counterattack on him. Waka threw a fucking ball at him and killed him in one hit. I was like, what the fuck just happened?
0: No Waka Waka for you!
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> that's what happened. But
1: honestly, if the rumor about Final Fantasy 6 is true, uh, I have a feeling that a lot of Wii U's are going to get sold.
0: I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm just so bummed.
1: People really love that fucking game. Like, there are a lot of people who say that's their favorite one over 7.
0: to. that's insane dude well the um the last thing i kind of wanted to put out there and this is in light of the um of the nba finals we actually have news about nba live 14 <laughs> which according to game industry international will only be exclusive to the playstation 4 and xbox one dude we haven't seen nba live since nba live 10 Nobody cares. that's why. Dude, I, I was like, oh yeah, NBA Live 14 is exclusive to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, and all I heard were crickets. Crickets. NBA 2K, on the other hand, announced that LeBron James, of course, will be on their cover, and it'll be out later this year for the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, Windows PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. The Xbox 360, hey, PS3. Is he
1: going to be the executive producer again?
0: I don't even know, dude. They haven't even said anything, but you never know. I will tell you this: if you if you're smart and you pre-order through Amazon, you'll get the cover with LeBron's full hairline. <laughs> pre-order bonus: LeBron's full hairline, or or as I like to call it, the Cleveland hairline. Jesus. It's like PS3, Xbox 360, and and PC versions will be released October 1st. In North America, on October fourth worldwide. Now, PS4 and Xbox One versions obviously are scheduled to be launch titles. Duh.
1: So <laughs> they will come out in the mid, you know sometime into the NBA
0: season. Yeah, at some point. I'm telling you, you you and gotta.
1: The, I- answer Strider in the chat. Guess what? You'll see her guys and Iron Handler before you see Final Fantasy VII.
0: Holy shit. I hate you guys. <laughs> here's here's another pre order bonus. If you pre order through Amazon, you get the Cleveland LeBron hairline. But if you pre order through GameStop, you get the fucking NBA Wives edition, the basketball wives. Oh god! <laughs> you get the you get the basketball wives edition. Jesus. Hey hey, Awful. check this out. Check this out. If you if you buy the season pass, you'll get Khloe Kardashian to play on Lamar Odom's wow. team. So those are those, those are those are great pre order bonuses. LeBron's hairline, the basketball wives, and Khloe Kardashian Odom are your pre order bonuses for NBA two po- K. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, that's enough of that. Anyway. That actually um that wraps it up for me on the game segment. You have anything else you wanna add?
1: No, I'm good for now.
0: Alright, my dude. Let me get into this entertainment segment. If you want to call back in, you can. Alright, man. Alright, peace.
1: Peace.
0: Uh just a quick time check, ladies and gentlemen. It is one fifty four AM Eastern Standard Time. The blog talk radio feed for My Take Radio will go off at exactly 2 a.m. The English woman will come on air and yell at me when I have two minutes left and 60 seconds left, so I am sure you will hear her. Anyway, the broadcast will continue on the GFQ feed and on the Mixler feed. So, with that said, we're going to go into this week's entertainment news. Let's get the ball rolling. So we're going to open up with some crazy news going on involving of all franchises Friday the 13th. Now, check this out. A couple of years ago, Warner Brothers had given up rights for Friday the 13th and South Park. Well, actually, they, they, they had got the rights for Friday the, thir- the 13th and South Park. Now, they're actually giving up those rights to Paramount in exchange for getting a piece of Christopher Nolan's Interstellar according to the Hollywood Reporter. So the way it works out is that now Paramount is going to start working on a new South Park film. There's also um, rumors stating, very strong ones, that they're going to start working on a new Friday the 13th. So that's that's very insane to say the least. Like, yeah, we're just going to trade you these movies to be able to get in on this movie from Christopher Nolan. So... The way it came to... It, the, the, what ended up happening was the deal came together because they wanted a partner on the release for Interstellar. Now, if you remember, South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut was released 15 years ago. The show itself is already on its 17th season. The, the movie made $83 million on a $1 million, $21 million budget. Now, here's the kicker. That movie was released 15 years ago. Do you think for one second that you're going to make 83 million dollars on a South Park movie now Don't get me wrong South Park really slick Slick says that you can that 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 that, that is possible uh, I you know what it is I've been out of touch with South Park for a few years So I don't know I mean if you watch South Park now and you think it can do it understandable It's just it's just strange to me that, you know, the original movie came out 15 years ago, the show's on its 17th season, and they're going to do a movie for it. I mean, if the movie closes out the, the series, then I, I can see that, but again, that's also because I'm out of touch with, with regards to that. Strider says that it's also dependent on what movies it's competing against on opening night. Valid points. So... Of course, it wouldn't be an entertainment segment for MTR without discussing the Avengers. So, Joss Whedon told Daily Beast in an interview that he would not make the Avengers 2 without Robert Downey Jr. As of right now, Robert Downey Jr. is in the midst of contract negotiations with Marvel Studios for future movies. He said, Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. He's the, he is Iron Man the way Sean Connery was James Bond. I have no intention of making Avengers 2 without him nor do I think I'll be I'd be called upon to do that. I don't think that's that, that's it's in my interest, Marvel's interest or his interest. I think everything will be fine. So, definitely very very strong words from Joss Whedon and you know the whole reasoning behind this is because Robert Downey Jr wants to make sure that his co-stars get a fair shake with regards to pay. So, um you know, it's um, it's crazy that ninety seconds. There she goes, ninety seconds. As I said, you can continue listening to the live show via Mixler or um via the GFQ feed by heading over to GFQ Live TV. Either way, or coming to mytakeradio.com dot and clicking the Listen tab. So you can do that also. Anyway, so I think in in the in the case of Robert Downey Jr., I, I, I admire him for, you know, standing up to, to the big machine that is Marvel and saying, listen, I need my... 60 seconds. All right, we got it, 60 seconds. She, um, you know, him standing up and doing the right thing is, is, is admirable. I, I commend him for doing it. Now, for Joss Whedon to throw down the gauntlet and say, listen, I'm not going to do anything without Robert Downey Jr. is huge, and it really gives tremendous leverage to the rest of the cast. Now, will Marvel... Budge on that? I doubt it because they're not—they're not going to want to stab their 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 signature franchise in the stomach and let it bleed out. They're not going to do it. So they're probably going to give Robert Downey Jr. what they want. They'll—they'll they'll pay Chris Hemsworth a decent amount. They'll pay you know Chris Evans a decent amount, and then maybe Grumpy Cat, Hawkeye. He'll get you know he'll get a couple of shirts and some tank tops. Ten and, seconds. There you go, and and some extra dough, and that'll be it. Black Widow, she'll get replaced. Because if she keeps talking that shit, Gina Carano, she needs some money. So, it can happen. Anyway, definitely commendable on Joss Whedon and Robert Downey Jr.'s part. In some other Marvel news, they signed Benicio Del Toro to Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's been signed to a multi-picture deal. Now, there's a lot of speculation going around that he may be playing Thanos. Obviously, he's not playing him verbatim, but maybe cgi thanos and benicio del toro doing the voice for him i i don't know a lot of people are also saying that del toro may be playing the collector who's one of the elders of the universe who of course um he sees the threat of thanos and um you know etc 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 i i think that could happen me personally it's weird benicio del toro he's a great actor I, i'm trying to visualize his voice Coming from Thanos' character on screen, and I don't know, just for me personally, if I if if it works, maybe I haven't seen enough um, Benicio del Toro movies where you know I mean one of one of my favorites was the one with him and Ryan Philippi where they're you know criminals on the run and he was just um, he threatened to punch a woman in the face. He was also good in Sin City and I liked I liked the Wolfman. Sue me, I really did, but um. We'll see what happens. I mean, hopefully we can get some some better ideas with regards to the casting within the next couple of weeks, but he has signed on for a multi-picture deal. So, here are here is the craziest what the fuck movie news that I've that I've mentioned in in, in recent weeks, and that is this. So, initially this bit of news sounds sounds crazy. Because you're like, eh, why would they do it anyway? So Deadline reports that Warner Brothers has finalized the deal to produce a movie about Archie. Okay, great. You're doing a movie about Archie. Fantastic. Jughead, Veronica, Betty, Archie. All right, cool. Great. Not a problem. But no, it's not just an Archie movie. It is going to be an Archie movie with zombies. Yes ladies and gentlemen, an Archie movie with zombies aptly titled right now Afterlife with Archie, which will follow the Riverdale characters taking on zombies. It will be directed by Jason Moore who directed uh Pitch Perfect. I I can't make this shit up. Archie and zombies. I I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> That's what I got. That's what I, an Archie movie with zombies. I'm done. I'm, I'm fucking done with Hollywood on the bright side. Fast and furious six is the fastest film to reach $500 million in worldwide box office totals in the history of universal. The film has now grossed $180 million in North America and $342 million internationally. So there you have it. Fast and Furious 7 is already in motion with the next installment hitting theaters July 11th, 2014. And I I would, I, Ron Perlman would make a decent Thanos, but, um, you know, I, I wouldn't mind Keith David also. Keith David would be badass. Looking at Benicio Del Toro, I thought, and this is crazy because I, I saw it on Facebook and I forgot about it. Somebody said Benicio Del Toro is going to play Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock is probably in my top five list of characters that I think absolutely suck. Namor, Warlock, Aquaman, Wonder Man suck. Aquaman in the new books is kind of cool, but still sucks. Adam Warlock okay you're gonna use Adam Warlock all right but in, in terms of just the character itself ugh. Val it- Nova it's funny because Glenn Close I mentioned last week she's actually been cast as the head of the Nova corpse so she may we may see Nova in Guardians of the Galaxy it could happen. Oh, that Nova. I totally forgot about that. Okay, that could work as well. But it, it's it's weird, man. It, Del Toro to sign for a multi-picture deal, all signs point, like, like it can't be the collector because for a multi-picture deal, nobody cares about the collector. Nobody gives a shit about that character. Thanos, yeah. But the collector, uh, not so much. We shall see what happens. Anyway, I was going to talk about the box office totals, but I realized that I did not paste them all in my show notes. So that actually gets to wrap up the show for this week. So we actually went into um, (laughs) five minutes of overtime. Val is shitting on the Nova Corps in the chat. Anyway, let's take it home, ladies and gents. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 187 for Thursday, June 6, 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also hit us up on our feedback line. That's 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. If you're going to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio. Add us to your circle on Google+. Also, you can look for us on Facebook, which is where our community is running wild, talking about all kinds of craziness. Facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. You can also look for My Take Radio on Pinterest and on Vine. We started doing Vine earlier this week, so you can look for My Take Radio on Vine as well. For the complete MTR experience, make sure to pick up the official My Take Radio app for your Android or iOS devices. It's $1.99. You get access to 96k stereo episodes of MTR. You get original content, including My Take Radio behind the mic, My Take Radio beyond the mic, the Minority Film Report. You also get mobile wallpapers and tons of other extras as well. For your Android devices, you can find that in the Amazon Android Marketplace. And of course, for iOS, you can find it on iTunes. If you want to listen to archived episodes of MTR, you can find us on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, of course, Blog Talk Radio's archives, the Zune Marketplace, and of course, good old iTunes. We'd really appreciate if you're getting the show via iTunes to please take a moment and rate the show. We'd really appreciate it, and it helps us in the rankings. On behalf of myself, Slick, Andrea, Jay, the Buried Boys, Ben, and the rest of the MTR family, I bid you good evening. Peace. That's
1: all, folks.
0: It's I think we're going to take us out this week. I think we're going to go with a little bit of Killer Instinct from the Killer Cuts soundtrack. Nice way to close things out. I'll catch you guys next week.